thought I'd uh, wear a shirt today, um, you know, being the last day and all. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. But um, wear one tomorrow, though, okay? Because tomorrow's going to be your first day. If you'd like to work here as a broker. Would you like that, Chris? Yes, sir. Good. We couldn't be happier. So, welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, Chris. I almost forgot. This part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. You know, when someone borrows five bucks from you, and that's more than like half the money you have in the world, not even pretending that your busted bone density scanner is a dinosaur conjuring time machine can lift your spirits. But uh, when the partner at the firm confirms you've earned that life-changing job you've been busting your hump for, well, sir, your investment just paid off. And if he doesn't confirm you've earned the job and passes on you, definitely key that honky's car. He's earned it. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on social media and Twitter, if that's still around, at the handle at Red Hen Media One. Look for that Red Hen icon. And I'd like to give you a very warm and special welcome to the first episode of Series 11. That's right, our podcast goes up to 11. There will be five episodes in the series. The series theme is Movies Important for Our Times, for which we've all secretly submitted one movie. Now, we all guess uh, who submitted what movie in our Who Done It segment. And at the end of the series, the winner is awarded a Who Dundee Trophy, along with a bonus prize. And don't you want to know what it is? This series prize is not only a $25 gift card, but this Choose Your Own Adventure Tabletop Game House of Danger, which is a cooperative adventure game based on the popular Choose Your Own Adventure book series, which you may remember from childhood if you're of a certain age. Now, I bought a bunch of these books at my grade school book fair over the years, uh, so I expect tons of nostalgic greatness when I win this series and subsequently force all my friends to play this. But that's not all. Because you are the X Factor. 
That's right. There's also an audience choice selection somewhere in the mix. So please go to redhenmedia.com slash audience choice, submit your pick, and we may watch and discuss your movie on the show. Again, that's redhenmedia.com slash audience choice. Today, we'll be discussing The Pursuit of Happiness 2006, which is a biography drama feature film that's currently streaming on Paramount Plus and Epics. And I'd like to welcome you to this very special episode. The Pursuit of Happiness is a movie based on a true story about having hope against great odds and calamities. And in the case of this movie, the title character Chris Gardner overcomes and succeeds at his goal, thus attaining a well-earned moment of happiness. Now, on the show tonight, we'd also like to overcome any difficulties, technical or otherwise, pointing to myself, in order to succeed in our goal of delivering a compelling and fun show to keep you company while you pursue your own happiness. Now, if we fail, we'll at least try to uh, make it entertaining, like uh, one of those epic fail videos where some guy inevitably gets hit in the nuts. Speaking of nuts, there's a group of guys here ready to embark on this epic journey. Uh, but whether it leads to success or failure, it's all about pursuit. Yes, I'm here with my distinguished co-host, who I'd like to assure that if this doesn't work out, we can always hit the button on our imaginary time machine and chill with the dinosaurs in the subway station. Hey, gang. Hey. Oh, howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> we did. Uh, so we're here today. Yeah. Some, somehow. <laughs> We're here today with the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is most certainly on. It is now. <laughs> I always stumble through the first intro on the on a new series. I don't know why. Um, so let's see what else I can stumble through with my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. It's me, James Pepe. And let me let me tell you, fellas. If this is happiness, I don't know if I want to pursue it. <laughs> That's what she said. Also, <laughs> you're 33% more Mario this series than the last series. Than Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Definitely. You're like 200% more than Chris Pratt, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, with us also is the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, Ben. And greetings, general listeners and friends. Happy to be here. Okay, since we made it this far, let's start off by checking today's headlines. Extra, 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 read all about it. All right, let's start off with Mr. Devin Schwartz. Did you find anything interesting in the news today? Oh, absolutely. I had to dive back uh, a little ways to find this from the film's release, but... Uh, I did discover one. Uh, revolutionary film proves racism always present in San Francisco Bay Area. West Coast natives shocked, outraged. I don't know what they're so shocked for. Of course, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're both they're both shocked by it and outraged by it, and they want to speak to your manager. Oh yeah, bunch of Karens around <laughs> here. Yeah, I'll tell you, <laughs> California. Karen fornication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got it bad here, y'all. <laughs> stay, in, stay in Kansas <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> We're all filled up with crazies here. All right. Yeah, good one. Right. 
uh, Devin and uh, James Pepe. You always seem to find some interesting stuff in the news. What'd you What'd you grab out of the headlines? Yeah, I got a I got a good one this time. So this headline, uh, this person, oh, thank God, <laughs> this person uh, misinterpreted this movie on a very basic level. I think so. Uh, this headline reads: "The best bone density scanner infomercial ever made." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, think they, I think they missed the point of the yeah well no it was all about bone stock. right no my stock in in the bone density scanner uh, market just went through the roof on this yeah right my bone density futures <laughs> <laughs> just drinking drink a lot of milk get that I bone can, density up i can see why somebody would be confused if they seen this movie on tbs late night they might think it's an <laughs> yeah, infomercial right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they get like you know old A-listers and stuff to pitch those yeah. when they're like you know once you become like Captain Kirk's age and you're pushing a hundred, you'll go do an infomercial yeah, right. yourself. Yeah, yeah. I thought so, we all I do. Thought the the least believable thing about this movie was the fact that he sold almost all of those fucking things. Do you remember yeah. that scene where they where he put them all in his house? He had like a hundred of mm-hmm. them. It's like there's no yeah. way he sold all of them. Maybe he just maybe he just slaps people until they bought them. I think you'll either buy this <laughs> or you're gonna you're gonna yeah, remember right. me in another way. <laughs> It'd be a shame if uh, something happened to your nice doctor's office here. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get what those are used for. I guess uh, if people have some kind of bone issues, but I mean I don't know that the Bay Area in the '80s would necessitate like a hundred of those suckers. He must no. have had to yeah. travel pretty far. Like he was taking the train down to L.A. at some point. To, to push those things. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a bad idea if you buy more bone density scanners than there are hospitals in your city. Right. <laughs> it's called being overextended. Look into it. <laughs> You're such yeah. a smart guy with the Rubik's Cube. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> He's going to sell like hotcakes, hot baby. <laughs> they sell like bone density. I like density the scene where they're just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it's indeed what they sold like. Yeah. So he was right. <laughs> All right, there's one more headline yet to be read, and that is by our very own gentleman, Jim Scott. What did you find in the news today? Yeah, so um, this actually headline came when they had a preview screening, and it reads as follows. Test audiences preferred the alternate ending where Chris Gardner finds out his bone density scanner is indeed a time machine that transports Chris (laughs) to the future in order to pursue things other than happiness. <laughs> yeah, right. Whoa. <laughs> that's a that's an excellent headline. Yeah. <laughs> what if it really We've did just, turn out? This was like this show right here is like the big bang of the bone density universe, cinematic yeah, right. universe. <laughs> they should have the, the people who wrote this It all script, started here. Should have should have brought it to us to punch it up. <laughs> we were just like, well, oh, yeah, what, if, what, if it, what if the bone density scanners really do scan bones, but they also are actually time machines? And then they go back yeah. in time and scan dinosaur bones. They could take it to the Museum of Natural History. And them, <laughs> yeah. It probably wouldn't be as fun of a movie. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I you th- had the I power think... the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think Devin has an ideal for his next campaign now. oh there we go okay well yeah where good ideas uh go to live on in tabletop gaming (laughs) that's right you can't afford to make a 
uh, feature film. Yeah, that would be so. Imagine, <laughs> imagine you're sitting at your table and you're like, your DM's like, you find a fucking weird box. And you're like, okay, I rolled to identify it, and he's like, it's a bone density scanner. <laughs> and you just throw it. You just into guaranteed. You guaranteed that's going to happen in one of our games. <laughs> oh man, I hope so. That would be so great. Because if you guys don't do it, I'm going to get to it first. <laughs> All right. Great headlines, guys. As always, appreciate that. Nice little icebreaker there. But uh, that since we're wrapping up today's headline, uh, why don't we add a little context in the segment that I like to call, because it is called this, The Rundown. <laughs> hey, Jim, can I get a... Um... <laughs> Hi. Hi. I need a rundown of the clients. Can you get that to me? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Our boss, Charles Miter. Just demanded a rundown and Jim from the office just handed the dossier over to Devin Schwartz. So let's see what Devin has for us on the pursuit of happiness. Take it away, Devin. All right. Yeah, uh, I just I just remembered this because they're, they're playing the trailer on IMDb and it references this, but we don't know that he sold all 100. We watch him lose two of them during <laughs> this movie so like that hit rate if you extrapolate out he probably lost at least half of them so you know just stolen left Fair him point. on park benches you know anyway um <laughs> so many homeless people walking around with phone deads <laughs> in the 60s because they're time machines exactly yeah. Uh, the pursuit of happiness. Hendrix is like looking out over the crowd, like, "What are all these white boxes?" Everyone's got their bone density scanners, yeah. right? Yeah. All, right. all right, I'll shut up. The pursuit of happiness is a 2006 uh, biography drama film about uh, Chris Gardner. It's a struggle. It's the story of a struggling salesman uh, taking custody of his son as he's poised to begin a life-changing professional career. Um, it is based on a memoir by the same name, um, written by Chris Gardner. Apparently, the film rights and uh, book rights were sold around the same time because this movie came out like three months after the memoir was released. So there's no way that it was, you know, the director got a hold of it, read it and decided to write the movie. He obviously must have been in talks with Chris Gardner himself uh, and, and made this in tandem with the book. Um, it was uh, directed by Gabriel Musino. Musino? I'm not sure exactly. Uh Screenplay written by Stephen Conrad and uh, was produced by Will Smith and starring Will Smith, as uh, everyone, I'm sure, would recognize. Uh, it was nominated for quite a few awards and won a few even. Um, nominated for Best Actor uh, for Will Smith um, at the Academy Awards. Didn't win, but uh, was also nominated at the BET Awards, the Black Reel Awards. Um, Broadcast Film Critics Association, a lot of nominations. It did win the Capri Award for Movie of the Year, um, MTV Movie Award for Best Breakthrough Performance, Jaden Smith, um, the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Motion Picture, uh, Phoenix Film Critics Society, also for Jaden Smith, and then Teen Choice Awards. It won Best Drama, uh, Chemistry between Will Smith and Jaden Smith, and Best Breakout Male for Jaden Smith. Dang, I'm going to give it one ring for every dollar. That that guy borrowed off of Will Smith in the movie. That just that. Oh hurt. shit! I've been there, man. And there we go. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple of quick pieces of trivia, since it won't come up uh, necessarily in the run under creation. 
the homeless individuals uh, in the film were played by actual San Francisco uh, people experiencing homelessness who were paid minimum wage wow. uh, and given meals during the filming, um, most of whom, you know, this was the first time they'd had in uh, years. Um, um, hang on. That I had, I did not know that. And I was watching the movie and I was like, there's not that many homeless people waiting <laughs> in lines out there. But ouch, I'll just say it, I was wrong. Yeah, uh, we lived just to like, you know, uh, part the curtain a little bit. Um, most of us live in or near Santa Rosa, which is uh, known the, the number one city for homelessness per capita in the entire country, including cities like San Francisco, New York. I don't think it is this wow. year, but there have been years where we were number one, like the highest population. So, yeah, this is very much there are uh, homeless camps. Topic here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They actually built in Runner Park here where I live, which is adjacent to Santa Rosa. Uh, they built like a tent village for people because it was just such a bad problem. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably discuss a little bit more about this when we get into our main discussion. So I'll save some. Absolutely. Um, speed cubing champions, Tyson Mao, Toby Mao, and Lars Petrus were hired to coach Will Smith uh, to solve a Rubik's Cube in under two minutes, which he did achieve during filming. Nice. That was not That was not a movie magic trick. He is actually solving that. It's one um, of those skills like juggling where it would be fun to learn, but I just haven't done it. Yeah, yeah. Because it would be a neat party trick. I was compared to the cups thing where you like stack speed stacking with the cups. That oh, that's good. That. Um, yeah, the speed person. cups thing. Yeah. Less interested in that personally, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Speed cups. if that's what you like, go for it. I don't know how that became a thing. Uh, finally, um, this is linked to our Run Down There is a cameo at the end of the movie. Chris Gardner himself uh, shows up and pass, walks past Chris and Chris Jr. on the street. Um, and that leads us yes. in to a little segment I like to call the Run Down Recreation. All right, let's switch our lower thirds, boys. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you will be digging in as this week we are playing... Co-star cameo. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I will read the name of one of the actors in this film and a hint towards another role you may know them from. Buzz in when you think you have the answer. I will accept the name of the project and, for a bonus point, the name of the character they play in. Or I'll, I'll be generous so you can reverse those. So basically, you have to give me either the pro the name of the, the movie or TV show they were in, and if you can name the character, uh, if you can name both, you get a bonus point. So each of these is worth at least one, potentially two. Devin, can you say that one more time? I was fucking around with my thing. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, uh, I am going to name an actor and a character from this film and then give you a hint for something else they may have been in. And okay. so if you can, you can give me the actor name or the name of the, the thing they were in, or both, um, I will give you one or two points. All right. Question number one. You're ready to buzz in. He played the somewhat friendly boss, Jay Twizzle, here, but you may also know Brian Howe as a robot sheriff in this high drama series. Oh, oh, uh, I saw Jim. Yeah, I think Jim. I saw, I saw the hand start to go first. Oh, you're just leaving your lower third. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jim, what do you got? Uh, Westworld. Westworld. Yes, that is correct. Does anyone know the character's name? I'll give. I'll just steal Jim's bonus point. 
you know the character's name from Westworld. Could you repeat the question for me? Yes, he played the somewhat friendly boss Jay Twistle here, but you may also know Brian Howe as a robot sheriff in this high drama series. The series has been confirmed to be Westworld. Do you know the character's name? This is probably the, the, right. the hardest one. It is Sheriff Pickett. We're looking for Sheriff Pickett from Westworld, though. Uh, Jim will get a point guessing the show. Um, ah, I forgot I had my Sheriff Pickett tattoo, too. <laughs> <laughs> that was famous, you know, beloved character. <laughs> yeah, right. Jaden yeah, Smith, how, a household name. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but Tinsel Star just tattooed on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jaden Smith played his real-life father's son in this movie, as well as this other sci-fi post-apocalyptic epic with a particularly generic name. Mark, I know the movie, but I don't know the name. It was and bad. It's so Same. forgettable. It's incredibly forgettable. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Never saw it. I'll, I'll take a shot. Take I'll take a shot. I, Robot. That's Close. only what I... Close, but no. Also a Will Smith sci-fi joint. Going once, going twice. So are you, are you saying there's two movies? So... No. Should I be Googling uh, this? Jaden Smith, <laughs> Jaden Smith played his real-life father's son in this movie, meaning oh, in this as, movie, in this as movie. well as this other sci-fi post-apocalyptic with a particular generic name. Okay. We yeah. are looking for After Earth. Oh, what, a, what a name oh, for a post-apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> and, he's uh, much older in that one. He's yeah. A, yeah. The name, uh, his character's name was Kit. Kate Rage? It looks like Kitty Rage, but I think it's like Kate <laughs> Rage. No, it's probably Kitty. <laughs> I mean, uh, fucking. <laughs> the writers were that, trying to mess with them at that point. That movie, like, who knows? <clears throat> All right, this next one. Someone I think... was making a stand against nepotism, and they <laughs> was like, I'm going to name it Kitty Rage. <laughs> All right. Well, wasn't, uh, it, that... wasn't it written by him? Didn't he? Didn't the... I think he wrote it. Yeah, I think he wrote it. Uh, right. Self loathing. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, all right. Ben, I think you're going to be tempted to buzz in early on this one. I'm going to remind all contestants to wait until I finish reading the answer before you buzz in. <laughs> you got it. Dan uh, Castellaneta, Castellaneta, the intern wrangler in this flick, references his most famous role when he requests a particular treat be brought to him. Yeah, Ben, who is it? Homer Kinkin. Of course. <laughs> From The Simpsons, and I'll give you the bonus point, even though that everyone knows <laughs> what project Homer Simpson is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, we do see Homer Simpson himself here and requesting a donut from Chris. Uh, oh. Yeah, I always, always, whenever Dan Castellaneta is in anything, I'm like, that's Homer to everybody. I don't care if they've heard me say that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I recognized his face and I was like, I could not remember where from, but I, I remember liking him as an actor and being like, oh, yeah, this guy's funny. And I couldn't remember where. <laughs> yeah, he's great. And where did the point stand so far? Uh, so far, we have two for you and one for Jim. That's uh, where we are. Sitting. Okay. All right. I like being the lead. Let's, let's keep yeah. that rolling. Uh, Will Smith's co-star, the fabulous Thandu Newton. Thandu? That doesn't sound right. Is that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> steals the show in this film, just as she did as the brothel matron turned badass murderer in this series. Ben. That would be Westworld. Westworld once again. Do you remember? Oh, that's not fair. Do you remember oh, her character's oh. name? I don't. And you're on your own trying to pronounce her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thandu sounds like an alien name, so I feel like he can't be that. Well, it's it's also could be. An odd, no, I'm not going to even you. say. Yeah. Um, 
than that and i i don't know uh the characters look it up during is, the break yeah it's, we'll we'll retract it later the character's <laughs> name is mave malay is the matron of mave the i should have known that yeah, yeah of course it's been too long since i've watched the series yeah it is <laughs> and the final question while a friendly face offering box seats to chris and christopher here we see actor Kurt Fuller as the central antagonist in this classic late 80s irreverent sequel. Ben, you got a guess? I'm just going to take a wild swing and say Caddyshack 2, but I know that's uh, not right. Not quite. What do you think, Jim? Uh, for some reason, this is sticking in my head. Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's not it either. Oh. Pepe, you got a guess? Want to jump on this? Mm, late 80s sequels. I'm going to say uh, Naked Gun 2. 2022 and a half. That's not it. Good guess. Oh, yeah, might have been it? in the 90s. Ghost, Ghostbusters 2? Yeah, there it is. Pepe. Hey. Oh, Ghostbusters 2. He what? plays Jack Hardmayer, uh, the antagonist of the film, also a central antagonist in the comics, apparently. Big, much bigger character in the comics. Wow. Um, but yeah, huh. there you go. How about that? Good job, Pepe. Wait, does he uh, play well the, the asshole? No, that's not him, is it? The like asshole lawyer guy? No, he was uh, the first one. Right? No, the no, she, he's the, the he's CEO. the mayor's assistant, I believe. He's oh, like the mayor's. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, all right, that does it for this week's rundown recreation. The scores for the series carrying over the points from uh, the last game. We have mm -hmm. Jim at two, Ben at four, and Pepe at two. Oh, the, the hand elite. Nice. All right. All right. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, last series, it came down to those points. So get them where you That's can get true, them, guys. Yeah, yeah it'll ha it's bound to ha be happening at some point in the future. Maybe this series. Uh, we shall see pretty soon in our next segment called Who Done It? We've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Now, remember, the winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. Our current suspects include myself, Ben Mitchell, Devin Schwartz, James Pepe, Jim Scott, and could be the audience choice. We'll see. So uh, the winner of the last series goes first, and that is Mr. Devin Schwartz. Who done it, Devin? This is a tough one. This is—I feel like this whole series might be a little tough, uh, yeah. because it is so. It is Whoa. kind of a specific and general theme, and so it's like, I don't know. It'll be hard to put people in boxes. This doesn't feel like a Pepe movie, although that's you know violating the thing I just said. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what he would submit for this category, but this doesn't quite feel like it. November. So I think he's uh, Yeah. <laughs> I think he's off my list. I think I'm gonna go with Jim. Are you kidding me? There's no. There's okay. no gangsters. In <laughs> right there's no there's no like cock and ball torture in this so i don't know <laughs> what? no oh, feline, wow. no feline. Yeah, yeah, it's not we're, a horror film. we're referencing all through the house here if you haven't seen all it go buy yourself a ticket <laughs> again online or otherwise. That. Uh, otherwise that's right you don't want to miss it all through oh, the house you don't remember that scene it's literally why devin stopped it's, watching. it's literally the one that made me turn the movie off he walked out he walked out <laughs> of that one only Jeez. time it's happened in the history of the podcast so far 
Um, yeah, so as I switch my lower third back on, I will also guess Jim because this definitely just feels like a Jim movie. Uh, maybe uh, certain struggles in there um, that he can um, sort of uh, sympathize with or empathize with there. So I'm going to go with uh, Jim on this one. Yeah. But uh, okay, so that's two for Jim. But what do you think, James Pepe? Man, this is hard. This movie is so fucking like milk toast. Um, <laughs> sorry. Whoa. I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's pretty, I don't know. I found it to be pretty boilerplate, um, which makes me think that it's either Devin's movie or maybe an audience choice. Adding it to digging. Oh boy. Yeah. We're, starting off, we're starting off coming out swinging. Yeah. <laughs> Series 11 really does go up to uh, 11. Get him, Devin. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> okay, so that's two guesses for Jim. Um, one guess for Devin and Jim Scott. It could be you. Who done it? Um, well, I don't think it's Devin. I don't think he would pick a movie like this. Um, I don't think it's you, Pepe. This one isn't cerebral <laughs> enough um, to be picked. Um, I think it's you, Ben. I, I think you know, this movie you know is what? your submission. It's, it's right in Ben's like time for it. He like Ben likes the early aughts. I think. Mm -hmm. Man. I do. I do. Shit. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll and... stick with them. I guess. Stick with them. Okay, we're locked in before I say yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say this, um, yep. that with this movie actually was pretty important to me during, at the time it came out, I was kind of going through a dark night of the soul myself. Um, but I had actually forgotten how much this movie had meant to me at the time and spoke to me. Um, so actually, that guess is a... No. It was wow. not my film. <laughs> Um, Devin, you're next to me. Was it your film? Let's let's go to you. I thought Jim, I thought Jim got two. Oh, did you get more votes, uh, Jim? All right, Jim. I just want to hit the yeah, no. I just want to spam the no button because I think it was Jim. <laughs> that was my vote. All right, Jim. Did you done it? <laughs> oh shit! Oh, he's it wasn't it yeah. wasn't him. That oh means, my god! That means either I'm right or it is the audience choice. Do you know oh, what this I means? I can just I spam the button right. anyway. No. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm excellent. Right. <laughs> Who's getting the point? All right, Devin. All Pepe, eyes on you. Was Pepe it your film? Pepe's getting the point. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Pepe. Nice. You said boilerplate. Nice. You threw us off. Well played, oh, man. man. Excellent. So uh, I get job, to spam Pepe. no one more Good time. Job. Give me my fun. No. That was for Devin. And of course, James Pepe, you <laughs> sneaky SOB. No, no. It was, no, no, it was his movie. movie. Pepe I got the this. point. I didn't pick this fucking movie. Oh, Pepe got the we point. We confused the thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All that right, would have well, been yeah, okay. That was confusing. Pepe would have also gotten. The I was going to say, "Damn, Pepe!" Yeah, no, <laughs> that was that was like <laughs> the sneakiest uh, round of that long, I've ever the long con. Okay, so Devin, it was your film. All right. Yeah. So, all right. Now that we know who done it, it's time to find out why done it and kick off our open discussion. Let's explain yourself, sir. Oh. Reshuffle the buttons in between series. Now I can't find anything. So, Devin, how did you come up with The Pursuit of Happiness? Tell us a little bit about it and why you chose it. 
Yeah, so I struggled with this uh, serious theme a little bit just because it's, it's like I said before, a little broad, um, but also like it kind of evokes a certain type of movie that I um, had trouble kind of nailing down. To me, what I think of when I think of like movies important for our times, I kind of think of like Oscar bait as like the best way I can put it, not as like a derogatory term whatsoever, but like movies that tend to have a lot of like high emotions and often like cover historical topics. Like that's kind of the the general thing because they're important films, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And those are tend to be the type of movies I don't really watch. Usually when Oscars come around, it's like all movies I haven't seen. Like I never saw Moonlight. I never saw uh, La La Land. I never like, I just don't watch those types of movies generally. Um, I uh, hated La La Land. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it. I got, I got through like the intro sequence. I was like, this is just terrible. But um, let me, this was a difficult one for me too. I'm not going to reveal what my choice was, of course, but it was a tough one. So why, what, how do you feel that like fits into the category of movies important for our times? Yeah. So I eventually landed on it, remembering watching this movie years ago around the time it came out. I think I rented it. It was like, mm-hmm. it's that old of a movie. Um, and uh, I, something about it felt very real. I remember it feeling very real and uh, something, and then like rewatching it now, like kind of confirmed my feelings that it matches this theme because you know, it covers obviously homelessness, which is a massive issue and continues to be particularly homelessness among, you know, non-white American citizens and uh, mm-hmm. non-American citizens in America. You know, it's it is a um, very prevalent issue. It has been for years. And the fact that it, the fact that this movie was made in 2006 and takes place in 1981 really is like a poignant way of showing that this problem has just like been pervasive yeah. forever. Uh, that yeah, that it was important enough to make a movie about it's gotten worse. fifteen years ago. Yeah, and then yeah, even then, it was twenty years before that. So, um, yeah, I, this movie I think is is absolutely great on its own merits, but also totally fits this theme and is extremely important. Yeah, yeah, well said. So you'd seen it before; you'd rented it back in two thousand six. Yep. Uh, similarly, uh, and we'll we'll we can go around with with the who's seen it. Uh, and then just kind of give your 20,000 feet. So yeah, I had seen this before. I don't remember when. I probably saw it on TV or something. I don't think I saw, caught it in the theater. But um, yeah, I was like struggling with my own crap at the time. Uh, this movie uh, meant a lot to me at the time. The idea that you're pursuing happiness was was pretty good. Uh, you know, that it's not something you... you it's a fleeting, you know? It's not something you can just like tap into... Uh, like an IV to your veins forever. It's just, it's a fleeting thing. And that um, the struggles you go through are part of that journey and, and to kind of take heart and have hope and all that. So it was a message that uh, spoke to me at the time. Uh, and on the rewatch, I didn't expect to really like it that much. Um, and, you know, I, I guess, I, I guess it was a, all right. I, I knew it. Okay. Um, I, a lot of that, a lot of my own kind of like, struggles with poverty kind of came back to me as I was watching it. And so it did like land again more than I I thought it might. And I actually did um, when he finally got the job he'd been pursuing, uh, I did kind of tear up at that point unexpectedly. Um, I guess because I'm still trying to pursue my happiness in the form of a, a career in the arts and trying to like, you know, land that big success. Um, and so that's something, uh, apparently I still, you know, very much want to do. And so that ending landed for me as well. So I'd say overall a positive experience with the rewatch, but, um, 
I wouldn't put it in my like top five movies or anything like that. But uh, I enjoyed watching it again. What about you, Devin? Did you you watch it before? You must have liked it enough to choose it. How was your watch this time? Yeah, I I similarly kind of expected to like to have had a better experience the first time and kind of this time. Not like so much again because this isn't really the type of movie I typically watch. Um, right. But I, I found myself very emotionally affected by it too. Yes. Um, I, I spent most of my early life uh, homeless in, in poverty uh, up until about age 13. Um, I mm-hmm. similarly in this movie had a, a much stronger relationship with one of my parents. For me, it was my mother. Um, my father left us basically when I was like eight years old. My mom was like, hey, I'm going to stop doing drugs and go and like clean up my life. And my dad was like, I'm not going to do that. And so they split and uh, my mom got clean and we eventually got our life back together uh, after years of struggle, just like in this movie. It took a lot longer than this movie depicts, but uh, still a very similar kind of upward up, you know, uphill battle. Um, and so, yeah, it really resonated with me. And also, I think even not having a relationship with my father, seeing this relation, this like father son relationship really struck an emotional chord uh the first like quarter of the movie where it's like really kind of dire really uh uh hit me hard and um i think Mm -hmm. this this movie succeeds in a lot of ways that i didn't remember like uh it's sort of depiction of racism which is very subtle and i think kind of a product of the time because it's 2006 and it's not something that people really wanted to shine a bright light on yet um but it still manages to tell a story about racism in a place where racism is not common, as I you know, alluded to earlier, like not, not that it's not common, not believed to be as common. You know, it is it is uh, understood not to be as much of a thing in California, even though it very much is. Um, and uh, yeah. especially in the the kind of professional money uh, arenas of of work. Absolutely. You know, such as, you know, that's definitely uh, especially in the 80s would have been a tough like glass ceiling for someone to break through at a firm like that, I imagine. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, Pepe won't agree with this, but I also think the movie manages to not be saccharine at all and not be like overly feel good to me. It, it really goes up to that limit and manages to stay on one side of the line and remain sort of grounded in reality and not feeling like overly feel goody, uh, which is nice to see. It gets, a, it gets a little obnoxious when movies are, you know, overtly positive. Uh, to, to this, I feel this like he did time. go through it, and what you said about um, what you said about the father son relationship, I also experienced emotionally from the point of view of the father because my son was, you know, a little guy like that, and um, we have our struggles, which I won't dive into headlong here. But uh, you know, the idea that you would do anything to protect them, but that it's still difficult and frustrating and stuff that resonated with me as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's uh, move on to James Pepe. Had you seen it, and how did your viewing go? I uh, I hadn't seen this movie, and to be honest, I kind of like, well, yeah, hadn't seen it. Um, had sort of like forgotten about it, to be honest. Um, but then, uh, you know, hearing it hearing it read last season, sort of like, oh yeah, there he was. Will Smith made that movie. Um, I think, so this movie, um, this movie sort of pulled me in two directions, like, um, or I guess I should say my, my thoughts about this movie are complicated. So on the one hand, I find, I found the movie to be like emotionally effective, um, and just sort of like generally well done, um, 
I didn't find it overly saccharine or uh so I yeah, I didn't I didn't find that. But um I found I like there were there were things about the movie that I I guess was uh I don't know, felt odd to me on a sort of like um I don't know. I don't know, like saying it this way, like on a more like philosophical level, I know that makes it sound kind of like no, no, no. I am very interested in how your take on if we're in the, if you feel like this is kind of in the shallow end or, or where this lands, because a lot of it is about philosophy. And I have other stuff to say too, but I'll wait until we yeah. kind of go lower down and look more in detail. Yeah. So, but I also take this opportunity to say that, like, um, I'm probably going to be pretty, I'm probably going to be critical of this movie, but that I like hearing what people have said about this movie, like, I what I have to say doesn't like shouldn't affect the way that this movie or I I don't mean it to affect that if this movie means something to you on a deeper level like I've never experienced homelessness I've never been very rich but I've I've never been like very very poor um I you know I've never I've never had like food insecurity things like that you know and so like that's not an experience I have and I don't want to minimize that experience that you guys had um because i might be critical of this movie so i just wanted to i wanted to say, say that fair enough fair. yeah thank you thank you for that now lay into it <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> well i mean do you want me to get into it now or do you want me to wait do you want to wait until after Jim? well just over okay no that's fine for a for a twenty thousand feet so yeah. that's interesting that it was that it was your first feeling too but J jim scott yeah. had you seen this one and how did it, how'd your viewing yes, go? Yes, I have. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I had seen it. I can't remember if it was a movie theater or I rented it on DVD, but I had watched it before. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, this this time, like the, the, the you, you know, the heartfelt relationship between father and son, very trying times. Um how he was with his with his um wife you, you you know i could feel the i could really feel the tension between the two of them right from the jump and i think it was well acted and well done i wasn't so sure about the central theme and this is something that we yes, can explore good. later when i seen it in 2006 we were at a different mm -hmm. place um as a society and um, or or just kind of your zeitgeist, like what you know about finance and um, corporate America and uh, you know stockbrokers. We're in a different time now. You you know uh, just the greed that has run rampant. You know, um, fact that this is a story about somebody that has made it and experienced his pursuit of happiness right. in that bleeding moment once he lands a stockbroker job you, you know that's like um you, you know i'm trying to take away that those like elements and think about like if this was an allegory for just achieving your dream right but Looking at it literally, you know, he became a stockbroker, yeah, an and then you know part. everything that's gone on, that's gone wrong with um, uh, pure capitalism, you know, within our society, uh, that can't help 
but to bleed into how I see this movie. Yeah, me too. You, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But I kept thinking about other issues. What was that? that uh, um, color my perception. Yeah, I a, I'm right I with think you I had that, a Jim. Similar, uh, I think I had a similar history. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that noticed that. So, Pepe, you felt that way too. And we'll get, yeah, maybe Devin did or not. I don't know. But uh, with the, what was that? What was that Wall Street thing where everyone was like trying to sit in at the banks and stuff a few years after this? Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, that probably yeah, occupy that probably Wall Street in different light. Yeah, so my my note to myself was: um, Is this movie a Republican bootstraps like propaganda film <laughs> yeah. too? Like, are they trying to like kind of sneak in that hmm. kind of philosophy thing? Because yeah, it was kind of a mixture of like you know of hope, but also like you know you got to do whatever it takes uh, to get yours you know otherwise you'll be one of the like you know unwashed uh rabble that fighting for a, a a bed every night or something you know and i wasn't sure about how that message played to me and i was i was actually hoping that our discussion would we would kind of like ask these hard questions and and kind of go over it and see sure. you know where we land with it because it probably will affect how i end up grading the film overall I will say on the emotional side, it hit for me, but then I kept, I did have those thoughts as well. So if you have more yeah. to say on that or, or Pepe or, or, or Devin, uh, you, who hasn't uh, spoke on this yet, go ahead. Let's get into it. Um, um, I'm actually curious, and this is something I was thinking when you, Devin, were was talking about why you did it. Um, you didn't mention the central theme, you know, that whole pursuing uh, that Will Smith, uh, or, or excuse me, uh, character, uh, Chris. You cut out. Uh, Chris you cut out a little bit there. Um, could you repeat that? Did I? Okay. Yeah. So I, I was curious, Devin, what you think about the 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 central theme that Chris Gardner is pursuing? I mean, that was a that was really the reason why I didn't think you had submitted this movie. Um, and I was just looking at generational. You know, your generation kind of had generally, right? Uh, and I'm not trying to like paintbrush you or put you in a corner, but generally, your generation has a kind of an eat the rich type of mentality. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that is common. And I think that uh, it is difficult with this, with a story like this, because it does sort of portray that. But I, uh, that basically, you know, you, you, anyone can achieve wealth by just you know uh, uh on their own merits basically um i think how this film succeeds is at least personally is in in the way as i alluded to earlier the way it depicts racism um specifically which is it, it there is very little overt racism in this there is not a like executive that says he doesn't want to hire him because he doesn't you know there are no people who look like him on the staff or something like that there's no like racist villain um it's it's much yeah, more it never subtle. comes up yeah, it's much more subtle. And I actually originally, as I was watching it about halfway through, I was thinking that was like a kind of flaw in the film that like this film really doesn't address the fact that the main character is black. And uh, but then I started noticing subtle things like basically that this movie is overwhelmingly white. It is like every extra, every background character for the first half is like absolutely white. It is a pure white film, except for, you know, Chris Gardner standing out being this black character and and showing the absolute separation between him and like everyone around him by by that 
choice, which I think was an intentional choice to just cast all white actors around him. And then as the film goes on and he is, starts really slipping, slipping down the slope of into homelessness, you begin seeing more black characters specifically as other homeless people. And that's mm. the only way you see them. And he is very much like entering this world that, that, you know, the, the world thinks he belongs in. It's like, now you're with your people. Like you shouldn't have been in those doctor's offices and in those boardrooms. This is where your people are. And like, it is, it, again, it's very subtle. And, and again, it's 2006, so they're not really shining a light on it. But I think in that subtle choice, they show that like, this is how the world is. This segregation still exists um, in, in very, you know, subtle and non-subtle ways. Uh, Do you and I think, I think to that, that point, that's going for. To that point, do you think that if they had called more attention to it, that would have helped? Or do you think it might have been more of a distraction to the overall uh, theme of the film? I think what the film lacks is any characterization of the other homeless people that that he interacts with. We don't see a lot of... We, he doesn't really interact with them. And I think that's where it kind of fails more than, than the just lack of the overt racism. And it's more that like we still see him as the only character who's like bettering himself. And it does cast this sort of picture of like, you have to have a drive. You have to want to get out of homelessness. And it still kind of sends that message, which is sort of mm -hmm. a problematic message to send. And if, if he had gotten to talk to some of these other people and, and learned about their struggles, um, rather than being sort of like a visitor in their world, if he had actually kind of been placed there more, in a more way, like I don't know how to describe it, but if if he had been more embedded, no, one I guess, scene might have made a difference in that way. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I think a scene with either someone else trying to get out who couldn't, uh, and maybe didn't have the talents he has, like, hey man, you know, you you got the smarts, like you're really good right. at math, you can do the Rubik's cube. I can't do any of that. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, or, or, or yeah. someone who's also trying to make it out and right. just felt his struggle, you know, and they empathize with each other or, or, or their plight or whatever. I noticed in the one scene he fixed that uh, the time machine, uh, the bone density scanner, and like shined the light. Yeah. And he shined it over all these sleeping people, and I nobody stirred. And I was like, somebody could have just been like, "Hey, man, try to sleep here," you know, shine that somewhere else, right. <laughs> like some kind of interaction. But yeah, right. Just to kind of speak on what you said, and I, I want to bring something else to this, and maybe that th this will help too. So I used to um, listen to a lot of like success, you know, podcasts, and one in particular, uh, Tom Bill you, um, and I don't remember off the top who he was interviewing. He would interview these guests that were on the top of their field, right? And his whole like interviewing style was trying to get at the ingredients, distill the ingredients of success. Right. That that's pretty much what his podcast is about by interviewing mm -hmm. people. And they were talking about Master P, who's uh, you know, I don't think he's currently a rapper, but he was a rapper in the nineties. And uh he was somebody who grew up on the street, you know, uh was a drug dealer, all that kind of kind of stuff. And he became legitimate, uh, you know, with, with the rap. And, uh, then he, you know, kind of launched some of his, um, I don't know, clothing, clothing line and a bunch of other, like very successful ventures, other rappers, that type of, thing. and, and both him and the guests were talking about it. And Tom Bilyeu was saying something to the effect of this person made it 
right? They made it through the cracks and the crevices of hard living in a very impoverished place, and they overcome their challenges. And there's things that we can take from that. However, what I wouldn't want to put anybody else in that situation because there are thousands of people who want to be masterful relating it to the terms of success, but they never make it. You know, for every master P, there are thousands that get swallowed up in some form or fashion, you know? Um, and where I think that's very, uh, can shed light on this is he went through some horrible situations. And you said he, yourself, Ben, he had certain gifts that help. Yeah when somebody is less able or, or, uh, the trick of fate. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I was shed light on how that connects with this movie. Uh, you know, Chris Gardner, I mean, he had gifts just like you were saying, yeah. Ben, you know, he was great at math. He could solve a Rubik's cube and also the twists of chance. You know, he happened to be talking to, the guy that landed him an interview, you, you know, he happened to uh, give that uh, the other gentleman who seemed higher up on the kind of food chain five bucks to tip the cabbie. Yeah. You yeah. know, he just happened to be in the right place at the right Even time. Even though you, you, those you were know. sacrifices on his part, he still caught the guy yes. at the right time. The guy happened to have a Rubik's Cube for him to solve. Like, thank God sure. the guy brought that and was frustrated with sure. it and was impressed by it. So, yeah, he did make a ton of sacrifices, yeah. of course, and it was a struggle. But, um, yeah, life is a little bit like a Plinko game. You ever seen Plinko? You guys know Plinko? You know, some mm -hmm. people just start lower down yep. where they have a better chance of hitting that $10,000 slot and, and not, like, failing out. Uh, some of some people start at the yeah. top or the middle or whatever. But um, even so, it's it's there's still a chance involved with everything. That's why D&D is so great. Let's talk about D&D for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> the pursuit of anyway. har harpiness. There we go. <laughs> An adventure path coming to you yeah, right. next fall. <laughs> a very special adventure path. About a man. Solve my Rubik's Cube puzzle. Be able to then you'll be able to feed your family like a normal person. I don't know. Some kind of a schmuck. Lend me five silver for the taxi. <laughs> uh, is That's the one where the bone density time machines are gonna come into play, yeah. right, guys? <laughs> okay. It's all coming together here. I'm loving it. <laughs> Devin, Devin, what were you going to say? Um, I was just going to... A new topic. No, there's no connective tissue here. Nice segue. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, My bad. Let's roll into a new topic. Yeah, as, a, as I yeah, went right. to... <laughs> there you the, go. In the recreation, um, Tandiway, which is how our name is pronounced. Everybody, oh, Tandiway. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, absolutely steals the show, I feel like. She was, like, the best actor in the movie it's for me. Like, Will Smith's great and everything, but, like... I don't care. God, she, like, yeah, she was so fucking good. Like, it was ridiculous she was to me. She was great. I wish she was in the whole movie. Uh, just, I don't know. They're, yeah. They're back Underused. and forth. 
yeah, their back and forth was so well written. It felt so real. I, I also had like parents who were verbally very uh, active towards one another, but not not <laughs> physically abusive or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of yeah. fighting and like I've heard a lot of those arguments and damn if those were not realistic. Uh, arguments. Very. And uh, yeah, that yeah. really struck a chord with me, too. I'm fully on board with that when she was just like checked out and just that change happened. And then they cut back to showing when they were like still close as a couple, you know, when they had their hopes up and stuff. I, both of those like really, really uh, played well for me as well. So I'm not yeah. surprised she went on to be Maeve and and uh, went on to success elsewhere. She's great. Yeah, yeah. she. Uh, I think she also succeeds as the best maybe representation of the other side of people experiencing homelessness where, I mean, she yeah. gets kind of an out at the end. We don't really know what happens to her necessarily, but this is the, the struggle is like, there are those people who have this like endless drive to get themselves out of that situation that does exist. And sometimes those people succeed as we saw, sometimes they don't, but then there's other people who just can't mm -hmm. handle the mm -hmm. anxiety and stress and mental illness and everything that comes with it. And they just yeah. turn off any desire to, you know, they, they do their best to, to work every day or whatever, but it's like it, at some point you, your tolerance runs out for it. You just can't live Yeah, life. your spirit can be crushed. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's tough enough navigating yeah. extreme poverty and that type of situation without adding on the, all the energy and focus and extra struggle it takes to break into something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I really, I probably felt for her plight even more, you know, because um, I don't know a lot of, I don't know that I know anyone who's hit the level of success that the um, main character hits in this film, uh, Chris Gardner. Um, I know a lot of other people on like more like her or kind of who have had like, you know, gotten scraped their way out of poverty but they're not like you know then moving on to like that amount of wealth and success either uh more more mm -hmm. more what i know yep. is people who either started successful or started like you know at the you know at past the 50 yard line at least if we're gonna use a mix analogy right. with plinko and football yeah go, I mean, go uh purdy by the way <laughs> for the 49ers oh yeah uh, our like data, I mean, like we've seen time and time again that it is very easy to go down the poverty scale into poverty and, and almost impossible to go up it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, in, in America, it takes like, you know, breaking a hip. You could go from middle class to poverty instantly. Like if you don't have yep. the right insurance, like boom, sure. medical bills, oh, yeah. that, all your money's You're working gone. without a net here. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just, you know, a mistake on your taxes and suddenly you get hit with a huge fee like he does in this movie and like, boom, half of your money's gone. It's like, shit. Yeah, and it's, check the wrong it's not like nobody cares, but it can feel like that because everyone else if you're struggling with that, you're probably in a peer group of people who are dealing with their own struggles to the point where like they're just, if everyone's treading water, who's going to throw you a life uh, raft or, or one of those buoys or whatever the hell people hang on to. What are those things called? Life yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, life those little circle things that they're in the cartoons, yeah, you know, I don't know. Circles. Are those real? <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. floaty. A floaty will work. <laughs> circle floaty. <laughs> <laughs> Show me a, a circle floaty donut. Well, <laughs> uh, well, going back to uh, going to what you were saying, Devin, too, yeah, the, those statistics show that it is easier to fall down 
and that if you the lower the rung you are, the harder it is to get up to say wealthy and that type of thing. Statistically, um, there's not too many people that that make it from like poor to you know wealthy. What Devin said is near impossible. I tend to agree. Shatters the illusion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it it shatters the illusion of the American dream when you look at it. the way the statistics are, and we have decades, you know, of, of compiled data to see that this is true, you, you, you know, and the trend. The idea that anyone right, can make it. getting even more that difficult. That has been proven to be mostly yeah. a myth or a propaganda to keep people yep. working away. Yeah. You know, in this country, I'm not surprised yeah, and- that we had slaves the way that we treat workers. I'll just throw that out there, you know, uh, based upon just how, how like little regard workers are given in this country. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I, I definitely feel like, um, like the feudal times have, have come back to, to our society where you have the landowners and you have the serfs instead of landowners, though, they're called corporations. Or landlords. Uh, are, I, I mean, the the last statistic I saw was like 160 million Americans rent. You know, I think we're at 330 or the last time I looked at like, you know, um, how many people live in this country. So yeah, that yeah. is almost half. It's a lot. Almost half of Americans I'd like rent. to see the statistic yeah. that talks about how many people used to be able to rent their own place to how many people have to like share a rental because they can't even afford to rent their own place. Like we've moved yes. to a place where I, at one point I could probably, you know, I mean, I could probably get my own place and still make a budget work uh, on a on a like a lower income wage. But uh, nowadays, uh, most people I know are forced to even just share a rental, even to just not be homeless. And it's it's tough out there. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I read an article and this was some years ago. I want to say somewhere in the 2000s, late 2000s. But they were and they were talking about California. I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle. And they were talking about the fast, um, a fast increasing demographic are people who share with others. So you might have a couple that you know rent but they're also living say with a brother or another couple or a friend um this article went on to say like the average age that kids are moving out of their house is 26 and again this is california but you see these kind of trends um happen in other states too You, you know it may take a little longer but you see them yeah. You know. Uh we also see like on the the most of the places where homes are owned are like middle America where they're much more affordable whereas on the coasts we see a lot more renting, you know, in New York and LA it's like all condos for rent it's like almost nothing uh, that you could even could own because everyone knows it's more profitable to just rent the house. Um I, I looked up a statistic yeah. so the overall statewide average is 65% of people li- own the home they live in. So that's that's what you were alluding to Joe about half of people are renting. Okay. Um, in California, yeah. it's only 55% mm-hmm. own homes. So 45% are, are renting. Um, and that's just like you own the home mm-hmm. you live in. So it's like, the, you know, it doesn't account for some, some situations, but, uh, yeah. And investment properties yeah. are, that's driving up the price for everyone as well. In case yeah. people aren't aware of that in groups of investors or, or corporations yes. that just buy up 
anything that's on the market just to then either like turn around and use as uh, some kind of like hotel like vacation home or just to rent because that's just a profitable business. The thing sits there and you collect money every month. It's a passive income mostly. I know there's work to go into the places and upkeep as well. But damn, with the rent so high, it's pretty profitable despite whatever the efforts that the landlords have to put in. They're they're making more now than ever before. Um and then you throw inflation yeah. on top of that, yeah. and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's 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 a system that isn't it clearly is not working for most people, right? No, it's not equitable. Right. Um, after the 2008 crisis, which you had allu- um, alluded to with the Occupy Wall Street, because that was the main push for why that movement was happening, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these companies were like, oh, we own a bunch of homes, but we're closing on people. That's quite the process, and that is expensive. Mm-hmm. They... Um, kind of wisen up and they they came to find out that oh renting though you know we can serve somebody eviction notice get them out get the place cleaned up up back and move somebody else in it's a much quicker turnaround and it's highly profitable and a lot of these places are like you said being bought by corporations where it's just the cost of doing business you know to evict somebody yeah so with that being said um is does this movie still have the right message for people in that situation in this game of musical chairs where you know half the chairs are owned by uh, people already or or some one guy buys up you know half the chairs so that there's like even less to to find yours and get your ticket or your spot right or your seat at the table Mm-hmm. Is this movie the right message for them, or is it a misleading message of hope? That's what I'm. I still. I honestly don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it was a nice cathartic payoff when he gets the job after working so damn hard, but that's no guarantee that's going to work out for anyone else. So I just. I wonder. If, yeah. If if it's on the. I think that's the thing is that this is a movie and it kind of has to like it has to kind of have that that conclusion um, in some kind of satisfying way. And certainly there are movies mm-hmm. that have depressing endings. There's a version of this movie where despite all of his best efforts, he still fails. And that's that would be very realistic and very hard to watch uh, as this movie already is at times. Um, I think more importantly, what this this movie displays is, yes, you can take away this hopeful message, but also you see how many hoops he has to jump through just to be just to mm-hmm. even get a chance at getting out of his situation. He has to, I mean, the Rubik's cube is such a perfect okay. metaphor of like, he literally has to solve a puzzle. He has to like unlock a puzzle box just to get mm-hmm. a door into this world that everyone else just, just walks into. Toe. Yeah. All the other guys yeah, that are in that internship, the they just walked in for an interview. They didn't have to do anything. Um, and and so it's, mm-hmm. it is a good representation of of just how many more barriers there are for people coming from poverty and this is for true. people of color. It's yeah, it's like constantly. Um, and he has this like ball and chain of the bone density scanners. Again, a, a visual metaphor of like he yeah. is weighed down by this simple mistake that he made. Like so many people in poverty are, it's usually just a simple mistake that they made um often not even their mm-hmm. fault like then you know he had no way of knowing this investment would not pay off he was you know in a perfectly you know lower middle class whatever uh, lifestyle and then he invested some money and it didn't pay off and he got screwed 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe not failed. I, I dig what you're saying. I think that you hit on the key point there that at least it highlights how goddamn hard it is. I think maybe that if they just included the kind of scene I was alluding to earlier where we see we do see a secondary character just burn out or fail or, you know, something just so we see that it's not guaranteed, like that it's just not guaranteed, even though he makes it, you know, I think that might have helped. But I think I buy your point that like showing how difficult it was is definitely um, a huge part of why it might still work. But does that speak to you guys, Jim and and uh, Pepe? Well, I'm curious what Pe- Pepe think or uh, about this. Does this still hit hit home? Well, I like your your you know your you Pepe. You take time to think before you answer. You 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 know your responses typically accept comedy, <laughs> the comedic right T- timing. Oh, your your responses you usually don't respond until you thought things out, and I appreciate that about yeah, you. Yeah, deliver your uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> spoken and spoken word essay. <laughs> not yet dr pepe but someday right yeah <laughs> well i mean there were i like the two issues i had with this movie was one so here's here's what here's the here's a classic pepe question right how does the how does the movie want us to feel about his wife um, right uh that that was confusing to me um and so I, I think there's probably something to be said about that. But then the other question I had is like, or the other issue is that like, uh, so like this movie is based on. Well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, sure. Stop right there. How did how did you feel about the wife? Because that would be my classic Ben answer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you can come well, back to the, it. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just collating my thoughts here. So like. Yeah, yeah, sure. So as, as I, Pepe does, <laughs> I in in my well, my feelings about the the wife the wife character. Let's see if I can. Uh, Linda, because I didn't blame her. Character's name. To be honest, um, yeah, I, I mean, didn't like that she walked out on her kid, but uh, I didn't blame her for wanting the hell out of there and being. And I understand. I empathize with her being crushed by life like that. Yeah. So, like the 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 tension in her character that i found was like i wasn't sure if i wasn't so like so like will smith uh chris gardner will smith's character is obviously like the hero of the movie mm-hmm. like the quote unquote hero of the movie and i i don't know why but like i knew i knew going into this that like he was going to succeed in the end or i had a strong intuition that he was going to succeed in the end right so you didn't know anything about any of no this. i did i didn't, you didn't know, know any, that it was, no i didn't know okay. anything about cool, cool okay right um but yeah like just just like from the type of movie it was and like you know like sure, the, sure. the title and stuff i was like oh, okay this is pro- well this pro- things are probably going to end well for will smith here right um but linda's character so like she is obviously um like calling her an antagonist probably wouldn't be quite right but she plays the role of an antagonist right because she's she's in some way working against what Will Smith is trying to do in this movie 
right? She's, she's an impediment mm-hmm. to him. Um, and so, but then again, on the other hand, like you guys have been saying, like, it seems totally reasonable up to the point where she just was like, yeah, keep the kid. Like that didn't, I'm, that seemed a little, I don't know. That, that stuck out for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure I bought that, but like, yeah, her like giving him shit about like, look, you're, you spending all day, every day trying to sell these fucking bone density scanners. And now you're going to go take an unpaid internship at a like one in 20 chance of getting this job like this isn't like we need food and rent tomorrow you know like these are not the appropriate steps to be taking and that's like a perfectly reasonable position for me to take you know or for her to take but because of the sort of like dynamics of the movie because will smith is the hero and we sort of want him to succeed and sort of know that he is I, I I felt like the movie. I felt conflicted. I didn't I didn't understand how the movie wanted me to feel about her. I didn't know if they wanted me to dislike her because she was a roadblock and you know a, a speed bump in Will Smith's road to happiness, or or just like if or if the movie would have was like wanting us to sympathize with her, but that didn't seem quite right to me either. So it was, that was, her character was, played a strange role in the movie to me. So does it mean that because you don't understand what they wanted you to think of her, that they might, that you think that they might have done a better job of communicating that and that would have improved things? Is is that kind of the thread of where you're going with that take? Um, well, I think, I think that they could have done something better with her character because the okay. like the movie the movie as a whole was pretty like it wasn't ambiguous right like it it just didn't like their 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 relationship was so out of step with the rest of the movie which was pretty which was a pretty straightforward story about like uh how this guy is going to like get himself out of like it's it's a pretty straightforward story and their relationship introduced the sort of like only instance of like something that was going on that wasn't like clearly black or white. Um, yeah. And so it, it just like, it struck a strange chord and I, in a different movie that wasn't so sort of like cut and dry, like, oh, okay, Will Smith's things are going to get worse before they get better, but eventually they're going to get better. And that's sort of how it plays mm-hmm. out. So in a movie that was in a movie that was different, like that was uh, sort of more willing to like sort of like, you know, spend more time in the mud, so to speak, right? Like really get down into the nitty gritty of things. Like maybe it's not maybe Mm -hmm. a movie that isn't going to have a happy ending. Maybe Will Smith doesn't get the internship or whatever. Then that then their relationship would make more sense. Right. Because then she wouldn't. Because then she wouldn't have been cast as so clearly, like meant or her character would seem to be a hurdle for him that he needs to get over. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, an obstacle they say. Right. In yeah, yeah. More than a hurdle. Yeah, she yeah. was, and she may have been the more ambiguous character or the most ambiguous element in 
in the story unless I'm overlooking something else. No, um, I think that that has to be the, that has to. Be. Um, yeah, Jim. Uh, um, oh, I was no, gonna go, say, go ahead, so go I think that um, I, I would disagree that her character is is sort of an antagonist, just in that that she does enable uh, uh, my, Chris's like career like she she helps with the kid in in ways that help him to do what he's trying to do and the point where she gives up is only the mm -hmm. point where his ambition really takes hold and i think that's sort of what that that relationship is meant to represent is that chris is this like endlessly ambitious guy who wants to better his situation and uh linda just is complacent in her in her life as it yeah. is and, or at least in, in her role in this life because she has she had no point offers to in any way help them get out of this situation she's working this job which is obviously not paying well whatsoever because she doesn't you know they never even mention how much money she's contributing uh or helping with she she's working at a dry cleaner in the 80s so yeah she's probably getting like three dollars an hour at, at, oh, yeah. at best like yeah it's like nothing um and so well, sorry what do you i mean the impression that i got was that she was the breadwinner of the family i mean we see him selling these things like he's getting enough money and he we know he has like at least six hundred dollars in his bank account when uh when the taxes like take all of it right after she leaves so i don't know it, it, it they never overtly indicate that she's like i mean she's t asking him when are you going to pay rent she's asking him like when are you going to uh, do everything basically right she's the, yeah. she's the rock the stable yeah, part of the, yeah i mean that keeps them from those other things it gives him a little bit of a net to work with with what he's trying to do that's yeah, for sure I, I, until she gets out of there. Yeah, I took that to mean that like she was the one paying all the bills. Because from what I, or I guess this is my this was my read of the movie that like at the beginning of the movie, he has two of those machines and it's been a long time since he's sold one. And she has been basically like taking up the slack, working like double shifts every day. And then he like goes out and tries to sell these last two bone scanners, and he's just been not successful at it. That that was the, that was the impression that I got. Well, she's been working double shifts, and 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 like she says, but also they're three months behind on rent. We know they yeah. have unpaid parking tickets to the point where they no longer have a car, which seems like right. She yeah. could have paid any of those. They are they haven't paid their taxes and they haven't paid for school for their kid. And it's like, what is left that she is maybe groceries? I guess she's maybe buying food because yeah. they don't mention not having food necessarily. But other than that, it's like every other expense in their life is unpaid. So it seems like whatever she's doing and is not enough. Yeah. And, and but she's yeah. she's yeah. complacent with it. She wants him to do something to, to get them out of it. And she is like, uh, you know, I'm doing my best working at this terrible job that doesn't pay enough. And so yeah. I, I that, just, wasn't I the, that wasn't the impression that I got. Okay. I see, I yeah. see what you mean. I, so I, I see I, what you mean. I think their role is he represents ambition. She represents kind of complacency is, is my like impression. And, and there at the turning point in the film, she is going to do something to better her life, but she recognizes that she can't take Chris with her. And I think the reason why she says goodbye to the kid is because she recognizes that Chris is endlessly ambitious and that he you know has probably a higher potential of getting them out of it like he is gambling with his future and she yeah. is willing to let him gamble and she wants to take the, the sure thing basically and uh i don't know it is it is a little odd that she leaves uh christopher with chris but i see i can understand that like 
she sees this guy who's like, yeah, you're going to keep fighting. And, and I guess, you know, Christopher should be with someone like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of a different read. Um, similar to the two of you, but I didn't read it as complacent. So um, what you said, Devin, as far as being behind in the ways of the art, definitely. Um, I got a sense that Chris took their collective nest egg that they had been building up on this bid to buy these scanners. Mm, yeah. And the scanners rolled up crap, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a good deal. And that, that was the mistake that you were talking about that landed them into poverty. She was working the hours, like you were saying, Pepe. Um, and the actress played a really good role of how burned out you would feel working double shifts day after day after day. How just that in and of itself is emotionally draining and taxing and wearying upon you. And then to add to that, they're still behind. You know, they, they have a child, they're, they're struggling. So that's just even more stress, you know? And, uh, I don't think she was necessarily complacent. I think she was doing everything that she could. And you've seen different scenes with the way she was looking at Will Smith and just the expressions on her face. She was just great actress. Yeah but you could see where she was starting to fall away from their collective dream. Yeah. And I think that that aspect though, Pepe is very coherent with the rest of the film from her viewpoint. I seen kind of through her and the way she was acting. I seen Chris in a different light, which is the dreamer. Oh, yeah. Um, the the person that is that this is going to be the next best best thing for us, and they never truly get to the right. next best thing. And I've met people like oh, yeah. that, um, in my life, and, and just the turmoil, just the turmoil that you are in love with somebody, but you have hit the wall. That is it for you. And she didn't just leave for New York. She tried to take the child from him. And right, wrong, or whatever, he put his foot down in a very aggressive manner and says, no, you're not going to do that. And the reason why I say that this interaction between them is coherent, and and it feels real, right? It's not so um, settled how you feel about it. If you were to watch this movie at a different time, you may feel differently about the exact same character. But the way Chris um, interacted with other people too where he just kind of lost his cool and he starts screaming like in the in when he was in the bart you know and he was like just get away from me you, you know when he loses the machine and you know it's a crowded subway and he acts yeah. out you, you you know this is it, it it very much felt real like i was there going through it with them you know what i mean and sometimes that looks ugly, you, you, you know, some, sometimes the things you say and the things you do, you know, you're not erring on the side of, well, how could I make this sound polite right now in front of the people that I'm in front right. of? You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt very yeah. real. 
those, those yeah, albums. You know, I mean, you it know. reminds me of Malcolm and Marie a little bit. A few series back that we watched that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if I might, Pepe, real quick, because I want to go back to you about your other point too. I was curious about yeah. that. But I'll just say that my take is from, especially from what you guys are saying. I like what you were saying, uh, Jim, too, about her character helping to define Chris Gardner's characters. I think she played an important role doing that and kind of showing that, you know, maybe it's, you know, that what he's doing is a risk and he's playing with, you know, he's playing for keeps without a net kind of thing. Um, that she's kind of had it. Yeah. But, um, to Pepe's point about being an antagonist, I think that Devin, you're right that she's not maybe an antagonist, but definitely s plays some role as an obstacle, like we had discussed earlier. That uh, she does become that as well. But Pepe, you had something to cap it off with, and then I wanted to go back to whatever you were saying that I cut you off earlier uh, to kind oh, of talk yeah. about this more. Well, I, I just wanted to say that, like it, what I was confused by wasn't her motives or their like the dynamics of their relationship. What seemed mm -hmm. odd to me was the role in a sort of meta, in the sort of meta narrative, the role that her character was playing, right? Because of basically what you said, Ben, is like, she's not quite an antagonist, right? She's not, she's not actively trying to sabotage Will Smith, the dream that Will Smith is fighting for, um, because out of some sort of, out of malice or something, right? But she is an obstacle in the sense that like, will smith needs to figure out how to like this is another thing he needs to like manage right to get to get what mm -hmm. he wants he needs to figure out how to manage this yeah. woman uh because otherwise she's she's yeah because she's an obstacle she's another she's like another twist in the in the rubik's cube that he's got to like figure out right yep that's a good that's a good analogy yeah since it was <laughs> in the movie <laughs> yeah right. yeah. So okay that, so that what was, was your was other my, thing that was before my... i cut you off sure yeah sure. the 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 other thing was like was um yeah yeah so okay so there's two so i i thought that there was like two ways of looking at this movie right so the first is like looking at it as a success story for like a particular person right and mm -hmm. like I have no idea how I have no idea how close this story is to like what actually happens, but if it's anything like what actually happened, this guy is like is a success story, right? He he bootstrapped himself, right? Um Yeah, yeah. It does exist, it's just rare. Yeah, right. Um but like the other question about the other thing that you can ask about this movie is is sort of like the other the other question that you guys have been sort of asking too, which is like, uh, what is this movie about? And like, what it, it, it what is this movie about in the sense that like, is this movie saying that like what happens in this movie is supposed to be the American dream, right? Which seems mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which seems kind of terrible if it is. <laughs> mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But then the other question is. You know, like this movie is called The Pursuit of Happiness. And so like that's that's like a great place to start is like, OK, well, what is the happiness that is being pursued in this movie? Because you can answer that on like you can answer that in like two different ways. Right. Or okay. at, at the very least, two different ways, maybe three. Right. Like one of one of it could be one answer could just be like money. That may that's maybe not quite right. Right. But it's one, definitely a, a, an important element. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. Say. But maybe, maybe a better way of putting it would be like financial security, right? That might be a little bit closer mm-hmm. or a little bit more nuanced mm-hmm. than just saying money. Right? Hierarchy of needs first, right? And build on that. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, what does this movie mean by happiness? <laughs> right. And if it's just like, if it's just financial security or becoming fabulously wealthy, I'm not sure that's like a very good answer. So, though, I mean, those, so those are like some of the things that I felt that this, that, yeah, that were like troubling. To so, me are they movie. saying, in other and words, are they saying that and what is money, happiness? money can buy happiness? I mean, is that what you're worried that they're saying? No, I, what the I, message is money equals happiness or buys happiness. No, I, it's not that. It's just that, like, um, if if like if will like if this movie is is like meant to set some sort of model, right? Like some sort of model of behavior, or like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, or or supposed to be some sort of like analogy right it's supposed to be analogizing something like what is what is being modeled or what is being analogized because so well that's what i'd like to know because my opinion of the movie is gonna hinge on that i feel like you know yeah uh well well, i i think one observation i can make i don't know if this this doesn't i this doesn't fully answer the question but i think it it might get us closer to it is that in this film, we see zero minutes of Chris Gardner with money. We see a lot of minutes of Chris Gardner happy. And I, th- I think that's that's interesting. Like h- him and his son oh, find yes. a lot of happiness in this movie. And at no point in the movie is he a successful rich broker. He doesn't achieve. I mean, he achieves it by None. the end. Yeah. But we never see it's him after being wealthy. Yeah, exactly. So we see yeah. a lot of happiness here. We don't see any anything with him having money necessarily. So they literally just say it in text after the movie's over. They basically summarize where he uh, went afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, that's a, that's actually a really good point. But if if that is true, if that is the case, right? If that and so like sometimes 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 works of art get themselves wrong, and so like that's a perfectly okay thing to do, right? But like what is what like what is the triumph of this movie that essentially everyone who was watching it would come away with right i mean it has to be like oh he made it he became rich right that that's like the triumph of the movie right and but what you're saying makes more sense it's like well no it's like he like formed a relationship with his son i guess like he 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 sort of or he took seriously this promise that he made to himself that he would, because he didn't have a dad, he was always going to be there for his son. But if that's the case, I feel like the movie does a really shitty job of like conveying that. Yeah, I don't think it fully succeeds in that point, which is why I don't know if it's it's exactly what it intended to. But uh, and, and again, it may, it may have made a better story if if he didn't quite achieve what he was going for, and instead he had to keep trying and and. The message was more about that is like the constant pursuit and finding happiness in yeah. real it. life I know. getting in the way. <laughs> um, because I know for me that like, you know, some of my happiest memories to this day still occurred while we my family was struggling with homelessness and while me and my mom were, you know, living in a house with like six other people. And uh, those still are some of my happiest memories because it's it's the light within the dark that is brightest, you know, so. 
I think I think it, we see mm-hmm. that in this movie. I just don't think the movie really wants it to be the the main focus, or at least it doesn't achieve it as the main focus. Yeah, or like another question, mm. another question we might ask is like, what is what is like Chris's arc of, in this movie? Right? Does does he like start out bad and get better, or does he start out good, get worse, and then get better? Uh, you know, I'm starts not, out middle bad, has a dip, and then a extreme rise at the end. If we're going to draw like a graph of it, right? Yeah, yeah, but but so then the but then the question is, is like in what sense is it character development, stability? Yeah, mm. it seems like like there is some. Well, I don't know. There are I don't know there about are the character, character development moments, question. That's right? interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like Chris, he he. Like like you guys have mentioned, he's he can sometimes be a little bit of a loose cannon, right? He's got a little bit of a hair trigger sometimes, and so I don't know. We mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. we don't really see him overcoming that necessarily. Like there, are, no, a lot of he just kind of sticks in there. It seems like you know, yeah. but they don't seem to be. I don't know that any effort is made to 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 show that. Like I don't know. Do you guys think this that he's a good dad from what we've seen to him? I mean. I wonder I wonder about the real Chris Gardner, to be honest. Like I, I wish I knew a little bit more about him and who he is and how he operates and stuff to that would help shed light on it. But I know we can only look at the text of the that, film yeah. to determine that I think it's kinda ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that would really help. I remember um when this film was released, I had seen Chris Gardner in a brief interview. Oh, okay. And then somewhere along the, and I don't remember much about that. You know, I just remember what he looked like, you know, vaguely. Mm -hmm. And then I remember either him saying it or maybe the director saying it at a later time. His, in real life, in the real life, um, his child was much younger. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. remember if he was a baby or if he was only two, three years old, but they went with an older child. Because then there would be more back and forth yeah. dialogue yeah. between the two to make it more of a compelling moment. So I know that was a creative license. That's also I don't know as far as I was just gonna say that also oh, it also ahead. ties in with that Will Smith needed a vehicle for his son because nepotism. Yeah, right. And 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 there's that too. Um as far as like did it hit home the message? Um I think looking at it through different lenses, right? If we just look at it like this is Chris Gardner's story, right? Which would be the the, the first lens close to the base. He yeah, succeeded, right. right? This is his challenges. We've seen some elements where he was very human, you know, because I've seen movies like this where people surmount other obstacles and they always look good in surmounting those obstacles. He wasn't always at his best, which we talked about. That's a very human um, thing, you know. And so in that way, it felt authentic. Um, If we, like, basically push back a little bit and look at it with, like, more of a macro lens, um, it can be taken quite literally. You know, he became a successful stockbroker. Um, even though, like, I think being a stockbroker meant something different in 1981 than it means right. in 2022, yeah. right? Right. So, you know, you, you give that, you know, it's it's due, right? Ge- uh, generation. 
Um, if we push back even farther and we look at the story that whatever the obstacles may be in life, right? And this is just a very general sense, whatever the obstacles may be in life, and they will make you at times feel close to quitting or at your bottom. Um, summoning, I guess, the grit, the wherewithal, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be financial. Like Devin said, you know, the only time they talked about money was when Chris Gardner was losing it, right? Um, uh, you know, that you're just able to overcome these obstacles in the way that you can to achieve what you are seeking out to do. You know, that might be a general lesson. Um, and just to add detail to Chris Gardner, I remember him saying that one aspect, I think when he was doing the interview, you know, uh, I, I, placed high in math, you know, I was one of 12, you know, I was first in my class, was a one of 20. I think that his driving goal, well, there were many, right? He wanted security for himself and his son, but it, it seemed to be, he was striving also for some sense of purpose mm-hmm. within the, within the world, some mark of achievement because he, he had, I don't remember what part it was in the movie, but he had talked about yeah, that. Yeah, how he had passed. You know, it had an, been a long time. He had ace his history exam and like kind of have a happy moment and think about what he might that become. That was it. But then none of those things that ended up it. happening. And like that's kind of, he spoke that yes. way in the present, in the middle of the struggle. I almost grabbed that. that, that that's was the reason it. why yeah, I know he was a little I lost. almost captured that clip for the front of the show but i ended up mm-hmm. there's so many like dark parts of the show i just wanted to i just wanted to show the lift because you know we're supposed to be entertaining people not depressing them so yeah. I, went with, I went with the lift at the yeah. end <laughs> yeah yeah the way the way this movie speaking to that the way this movie like gets you sort of invested in chris the character especially again like that first half where he's like really struggling it, like there were moments where I was like yelling at the screen, which is like not something I do in movies. But like, you know, when he's like got the briefcase mm. and it's like hanging out of the door of the subway and uh, like stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I was so invested in, in his struggle that uh, uh, it felt really real. And As I was. Yeah. Partially acting on the listeners part, partially just the writing um, and the story being just, you know, being so real. Because yeah. it is. I think we can all agree that that's yeah. where the movie is most successful is in the realistic portrayal of that kind of struggle in poverty. Yeah. It really, yeah, it re- actually reminded me of um, uh, Patrick Rothfuss's book, The Name of the Wind, when he's just like, the, the stuff that really mm-hmm. struck me about that was like, you know, he had to protect his instrument and he had to like, a lot of the book, he talks about having to, how he was going to pay for shit. And it was like, yeah, man, I get that. Like, that's what my life is right now. Like, what copper can I push to, like, yeah. pay for my, like, you know, so I can still go to the Wizard Academy, you know? Like, that part of it really was w- one of my favorite parts of his writing because I hadn't seen that in fantasy before. So this really nailed that for me as yeah. well. Um, I'd like to kind of wrap this part up and kind of talk about the movie moments, a few of them, if any stand out for you guys real quick, and then we can kind of wrap up the conversation sure. as well. Um, I, 
I wanted to say that I really enjoyed what one thing I noticed that I really liked was the contrast between earlier in the film when he's walking with the crowd and everyone seems happy around him. He's like, why can't I feel like that? And everyone in the crowd looks happy and it's like brightly lit and you just see Will Smith walking through and he just isn't a part of it. He stands out because of that. And then at the end, when that he achieves that moment of happiness that he talks about, everyone in the crowd just looks like they're slogging mm -hmm. through it. Some of them are frowning. Some of them are dismayed. And then Will Smith has his moment and it really um, highlights that, that difference and the contrast. I thought that was really well done. And I really mm -hmm. liked uh, wow. the other scenes that stood out was when he uh, is when he was with his son and had to like hold the door shut. I mean, that's such a that sticks with me to this day. Like when I think of this movie, that's the first thing I think of is like that lowest point when he's just literally like just trying to like let his kids sleep and like shoving his, you know, keeping that door shut so they can have a little bit of space, even though they're homeless. Um and of course, like how he had to like try to cheer his son up with the like dinosaur thing. I thought that was pretty cute. So anything stand mm -hmm. out, good or bad for you guys that you want to like kind of talk about that really popped for you um, one way or the other? Yeah, well, I wanted to mention uh, related to that, that first scene that you mentioned when he's when everyone's happy around him. That was actually the scene where I first noticed the how white the extras and everything were like everyone oh, in that scene point. is is you know, Aryan um, to, to a, like, there almost, you go. yeah, to like a dramatic extent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But a, yeah. a scene the professionals. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to, to that, that scene where he, he finally achieves a happiness when he gets the news, uh, when they tell him that he has the job, um, that mm -hmm. is like some great, like non vocal acting from Will Smith, like his reaction. Uh, oh God. Really, I felt so real, uh, and was so well acted when he, he said like three words. Too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Was it as easy as you made it look? No, sir, it was not. And he's just, he's about ready to burst into tears. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the scene where he's talking, it kind of gives his, one of his titular speeches and one of the most famous moments from the movie. I think I've seen it clipped and stuff before when he's playing basketball with his son and uh, sort of like kind of offhandedly discourages him and doesn't like you can tell when he when he first says it like you know well i suck the basketball so you're probably gonna suck the basketball like he doesn't he's not even oh, thinking in scene. that moment that's like a throwaway thing he's like it's just a matter of fact thing for him he's like yeah you're probably gonna suck at basketball so don't, don't yeah don't invest yeah. in it these things tend to be and genetic then, son yeah and yeah. then he sees how it how it hits him and he's like holy shit what did i just say and like realizes I just and brushed my son's dream yeah. yeah and then immediately gives that that speech about never letting anyone tell him what he can't do is that's really powerful. if you have a dream you have to protect it yeah, yeah exactly powerful moment all right what about for you james pepe what moment stood out for you for better or worse yeah uh for for, for whatever reason like the the times when he was interacting with um i think they were the like the chinese people in chinatown there's just like mm -hmm. his the interactions he had with them um i don't know they they struck me as being interesting um mm -hmm. and so I, I remember those um but the other scene or the other sort of sequence of events that uh i remember um is the whole sequence of events that lead up to him like showing up to that first interview like in like like covered in paint 
and like a white like a-frame t-shirt mm, and like mm-hmm, jeans mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that whole sequence of events like <laughs> there, are, so, there are times so real yeah there are times in life where the world is just like nope fuck you man <laughs> yeah yeah now i've said this and that, and i've yeah. said this that happened i've said this a lot like why does life tend to be the di- most difficult version of itself sometimes and <laughs> yeah. it just it's like you know like i'm living in the universe where this is the most difficult version of what it could be like yeah. everything yeah. seems to go wrong and that just that really does resonate it is very real uh so yeah those are good those are good moments man yeah and then just having to like g- dig down at that point and just still not give up and make the joke and thankfully the joke landed i'd yeah. ask him he, he's like you know i'd you know what would you say if i hired someone with no shirt well if you hired someone what would you say he's like well i'd, I'd have to say hmm. you know he must have had some pretty nice pants and the joke yeah happened to land he rolled and a it 20 just, that, diplomacy that, yeah. and that's all it's like life the reason, is um, yeah. yeah the reason the, we're getting at here the reason the scenes <laughs> with him and the um I guess I guess it wasn't just the Chinese people, but like the anytime that he was like interacting with people on his own like socioeconomic status or sort of mm-hmm. socioeconomic like with his level, buddy that owned him the fourteen bucks. Yeah, yeah, you can just, mm-hmm. you can see how like all right, so like Will Smith doesn't have any money, and so he can't pay the um, the like Chinese family that runs the daycare, right? Right. He can't pay them, so they can't fucking pay rent either, you know. Right. And you can just see, yeah. you can just see how like the dominoes fall, right? And how it just becomes like a, just like this cycle of shittiness. But then you also yeah, see like, like um, you also see like you also see these guys, but they oftentimes not every time, but oftentimes you see those people have ha- have like a recognition of what's going on, right? So when his landlord is like trying to kick him out, he's like, "Look, you gotta leave. I got people coming to like paint it." And he's like, "Just give me another week. I'll paint it for you." And the guy's like, "Okay, you paint it. I'll give you another week." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that it wasn't exactly altruism, but it was like there was an understanding. You know, they try. They do try to help each other to a certain point. Yeah, it's like as yeah. long as I'm eating, you're eating, but I'm not eating. You know, like the, yeah, right. the fellow that owed him the 14 bucks was like that. You know, like, I, oh, I thought we were good because I helped you move. Like, clearly he didn't have it either and it had his own struggles. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. You know, and he wanted to help him at that point, but he couldn't, you know. So it's not like he owed, um, you know, some big corporation that could then take that debt and sell it to an investor to, like, harass you for it later or something. Like, uh-huh. this is, these are people who have instant and terrible consequences themselves yeah, for right. for 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 that economy yeah. to to not keep moving yeah so yeah, yeah fair point yeah good stuff guys jim did you have anything else you wanted to point out as far as um yeah i, I had a couple of scenes right, cool. so the beginning w- w- just the beginning shot you know, like uh, Will Smith is waking up his child from bed. And then you see the city as well kind of coming alive. Um, and mm-hmm. then the scene with the drumming on buckets. I remember that when that oh, became yeah. a really popular thing. Mm-hmm. And it was on a commercial. And I think it was, you know, this kid was drumming on buckets in New York City. I think it's where it was. Um, and then you see Chinatown and how it kind of 
opens up. I've learned to pay more attention to the opening of films because of us. Oh, you know, yeah, cool. cool. Uh, doing this together. They always together. Whereas before, I'd be like getting my popcorn <laughs> and getting, you know, getting ready. You know, <laughs> now passive. I just like yeah. I, because it's it's the it's the director's first chance to kind of give you both a tone and an inkling about what the movie's so about and, and just and just film as a visual medium as a visual work of art like i you know it's in talking as we talk together that i've learned to appreciate film more so i really loved the opening sequence and then i liked the parallel so the hippie girl mm-hmm. took his bone spanner <laughs> yeah. and ditched right she ran and she was able to get down in the uh huh, get down in the subway <laughs> or or maybe it was a bus and escape and escape, mm-hmm. right? But then there's a later scene where um uh Chris doesn't have enough money to pay the cab when he kind of goes with that yeah. um other executive. Yes. yes. And he, he gets paid. dropped off and he Yeah, and he well he, yeah, and he runs away from the cab driver just like the hippie yeah. lady was running away from. So I really liked that parallel. That's great. And then the last, I will, I will mirror Pepe, but the scene in particular where uh, Chris is arguing with the Chinese lady that's the daycare about showing like Love Boat Bonanza, mm-hmm. and the Chinese lady just retorts, "Well, you don't, you don't pay. You know, you're two months behind. You know, and it's just because." My mother is like a tiger mom. I know that's kind of a stereotype that I I see that in other Asian women when they they're they're like just minding their own business, doing their own thing. But if you come at them, they will come back at Cut you. Cut the quick. It just evokes yeah, right. like a lot of feelings toward towards my that's mother. That's interesting. You know I, mean? I love so that. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I love that. That's a very specific yeah. detail to you. I love that. So if I might speak to the filmmaker yeah. aspect of establishing the beginning of the movie and how important and why it's um mm-hmm. it's all about establishing the status mm-hmm. quo. And a big part of that, like you said, is establishing tone and setting. Uh and the and so they did a great job there. I lived in San Francisco at the time this was filmed there. So this really they really captured the feeling of running around the city back at least in two thousand six, yeah. if not the eighties. So they did do a good job of that. But yeah, you always want to get in there it's just, and not only like salt the audience with some questions, but real quick, but you also have to hit them with the world as it is before the journey begins and everything changes, right? So they did do an excellent job. Yeah. There. That about wraps up our discussion for The Pursuit of Happiness 2006. I think we all have enough to uh, fairly uh, assign a grade and so we'll do that uh, forthcoming. However, uh, we got to pay the bills. We got to keep the lights on, such as for those that are watching. And so um, we are going to have to take just a short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, we all have birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, all that sort of thing. You know, one may be coming up for you yourself, or maybe you know someone close to you that uh, is planning an event. So if you're looking to book some top-notch entertainment for said event, might I suggest hiring Will Smith? 
AKA <laughs> Slappy the Clown to oh, tune up no. your special gathering. <laughs> Book today at thepursuitofslappiness.com for the chance of a bonus lunch with Will Smith himself. Bodyguard not provided. <laughs> All right, don't run away yet. Hang on, hear me out. Will, Will, slap his special brand of entertainment across the face of your event, whether it's a birthday, <laughs> holiday, anniversary, wedding, mitzvah, or even a prestigious award show. No matter what, he'll be sure to leave his mark. Side effects include ending your decades-long run as an A-lister in Hollywood, being the butt of dumb jokes on some jerk's podcast, and a red mark on your cheek that will sting as hot as being tuned up in front of an international audience. Sorry, Chris Rock. So, surf on over to the pursuit of slappiness.com featuring Will Smith as Slappy the Clown. Pretty please? He, he could really use the work. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not like Will Smith murdered somebody. Only his career. <laughs> timely. Jesus. Timely. Man, oh, man. Oh, Maybe man. too timely. Only time will tell how timely <laughs> if I cross that timely linely. <laughs> yeah, there's some. If you're hearing the... <laughs> this a couple of years from now and Will Smith's back on top, feel free to shoot us an email. <laughs> I was going to say there's someone there's someone out there, some some poor will smith fan out there just going too soon man too soon <laughs> probably I, yeah. I i felt that a little bit too as i was saying it i knew it was wrong yeah right thing. yeah yeah <laughs> all right well you can't, you can't you just can't do that kind of shit at least not when if it's got, televised you know <laughs> yeah no you really can't otherwise jerks like me will just i have to pick up what's down on the, what's easily the the lowest yeah, hanging man. comedy fruit. Dude, I mean, the money's know, on the I have table. minutes You're to write this leave. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I'm gonna leave the money on the table. I literally have minutes to pick up whatever money's on the table and get this show into production. <laughs> so yeah. Here we are, slapping the clown. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've hit our new low. This is our this is our low in the podcast commercial segment. <laughs> so it's only up from here. Uh, all right, folks. Um, like Will Smith. Let's. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That parallel exists. That's what I was going for the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing definitely. 3D chess here. Yeah. Always. But in, always but in the end, chess. but in the end, it always leads to us to slapping a sort of like sort of has been comedian. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. But that 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 <laughs> analogy to be further fleshed out as you proceed. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, even wheels. if you don't understand how, I promise I am playing 3D chess. I just don't know how well <laughs> I'm playing it. Okay, so <laughs> let's um, let's assign some grades to this. I'm curious where everyone landed because uh, I was all over the place. Poetry. Yeah, poetry. Right, so as I said just previously before the sound drop, I it was all over the place. Uh, was it a B? Was it a B minus? Was it a B plus? Uh, turns out I still really couldn't decide. Um, and so I kind of landed in the middle. I'm giving it a B. I really like this movie personally. I think it works on a definitely worked for me on a cathartic level, uh, delivered on the emotions. Um, and I thought it was emotionally relevant and portrayed um, the situation of poverty in a in a very fair and realistic light, maybe that I haven't seen before or since. 
Um, and so I can't just like, you know, go dip into the C range because the other stuff was maybe a misfire. Um, and we discussed it. So go back to the discussion if you want to know how, what we thought about that. But I think that I, overall, I can hang my hat on the idea that it's, it's message that of hope and that to not give up is an important one. Um, I think that in most situations, I don't want to generalize too much. It is probably better to continue with whatever you're pursuing uh, than it is to give up if you don't absolutely have to. And even in the face of adversity and struggle, like, what are you going to do? You know, just yeah. give in and lay there and die like you, you've got to fight on. So I think overall, I can hang my hat on that, that truth. Uh, feel free to disagree with me. Uh, but yeah, I'm in the solid B for the pursuit of happiness. Devin, where did you land on this one? This was your choice. Yeah, I think for me, this this movie tells a type of story that we rarely, uh, if ever, see um, a, a part of a, a huge part of America that is just kind of uh, untouched by filmmaking. And that's really special. I think it's wonderfully acted and produced. Um, and I think that on this podcast, you know, it's not about finding the perfect movie. It's about pursuing the perfect movie. So for me, this is an A. All right. I buy that, sir. Oh, James Pepe, I see you updated your score to one. Yeah, so you're now our, yeah, our score leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm to, supposed to remind you at some point. I have to it's bask in the script, in but I never. I spend so much time on the script that I never read it. It's like you, you learn your lines <laughs> and you, you just throw the throw the book away. I'm off book now. Anyway, well done on on taking the early lead, and uh, everyone's doing pretty good on the on the uh, other points for our rundown recreation too. So uh, a very interesting discussion. You weren't sure about how you felt uh, about the watch of the uh, of your watch of the movie overall. You'd never heard of it before. Or no, you just didn't know much about it. That's what it was. You heard about it at the time. You kind of forgot. Here it yeah. is. You watched it. You discussed it. Where'd you land? Yeah. Um, well, before I show my grade, I was going to ask, Devin, did you, did you say the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores of the movie? Uh, I, oh, ding. I forgot to actually, you're right. I, uh, it I, think I, I bring it up cause they're, they're kind of, I find them to be kind of interesting. Yeah. I got an eight out of 10 on IMDb and I believe Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. 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 Um, but it, and, it, and it has over 500,000 ratings. That's a high. Oh, that's, for, that's, absolutely. that's an, that's a solid a rating on IMDb. You yeah. don't get much better than 80%. Like great movies get in the right. high sevens. And yeah. uh, the Tom Tatateater uh, gave it a 67, um, <laughs> and the audience <laughs> audience uh, audience gave it an 87, so 20, 20 point differential there. Mm. Yeah, I thought that the was that it that it got. Um, <laughs> it's very I'll well you with a, with an even worse <laughs> pronunciation. The completely deconstructed. Yeah, so I thought that was I thought that was an interesting spread of scores. Yeah. Anyway, that's why I brought it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely is. Um. So anyway, I let's see here. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give. Whoops. I'm gonna give this a B minus. Whoops. Jeez. Oh, all right. My, my did your grade go up because of our discussion, or did it stay solid where you found it after watching it? No, I mean, I was always like, I was hemming and hawing a lot about whether this was should go down into the C range. Um, but I don't think... Okay. I mean, like... I, I don't know. I, saw, I talk about this a lot. Like, 
this, like, for example, this movie is filmed really well. Everything's in focus, you know, but like, no complaints not, there. Not only that, but like, everything's filmed very well. Like, the, the compositions of the shots aren't like particularly interesting, but like, you see what's mm-hmm. going on and it's, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, they service the movie. Yeah. They weren't yeah. trying to be a fantasy epic with a sweeping, soaring shot over the. Yeah, no, they pl- they played it from <laughs> the ground mostly, which I think reflects the world. And I do, I've been in, I was in San Francisco in the 80s and it looked similar enough to what I remember back then too. Yeah, yeah. So I think, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that is done right in this movie. Um, like from that, from mm-hmm. that sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, from that point of view, right? Um, and I agree with you guys that like this movie is emotionally effective. Like it worked on me too. Like it, like I was rooting for oh, Will okay. Smith, um, sort of despite myself. I guess I was like, yeah, I wanted him to win. Like I was invested in the story, despite and of being what you deem to be boilerplate in 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 certain ways. Yeah, right? yeah, yes. I yeah. mean, I think it. Yeah, right. Um, Yes, I mean, I, I, like, I feel like after watching like maybe like fifteen minutes of this movie, I could have been, I could have told you like, okay, this is gonna happen, then this is gonna happen, then this, you know, like, I, it wasn't yep. there was there wasn't a lot of uh, yeah, crime, I don't disagree, but like mm-hmm. it told this story, it told a straightforward story, pretty well. It invested you in the characters, and uh, yeah, so for anyway, so for all of those reasons, this is still a pretty good movie. Um, the IMDb rating seems a little high to me. <laughs> But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but it so, does i wonder yeah. what happened there so this is a this is a um, this is a uh what's the fuck what's that fucking prison movie everybody loves this is a, this is a no i was yeah, about to mention it yeah, okay well that, to me that's to me i'll take that as a compliment um yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason why i was asking you is, is i was hemming and hawing just as you were with the grade at certain points i felt for sure b plus other parts i was feeling for sure b minus so yours was just like a half grade lower than mine, the range that you were going back and forth. So yeah, we, it's is, interesting to me like that we both 80%. landed on the grade we came in with. Yeah, this, this is like an 80. It's like the lowest possible B. It's like not, yeah, I'm it's right not there bad enough like for 85. It's, yeah. But it's still... I will yeah. say that our yeah. very own ranking of Shawshank Redemption is an A-3.83. Just, just to throw that out there. Yeah, Shawshank's rad. Pepe, you're wrong about that one. I should but have anyway, given that one Objectively. Objectively. <laughs> I'm too honest with well, my go ratings. Back and check I'm that too one charitable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you're going to be a tough professor, my friend. <laughs> but I love you for it. All right. Make them learn. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jim Scott, as usual, you are you have the honor of bestowing our final grade and just locking in what the overall GPA is going to be, bud. What did you land on with this one? Yeah. So, I thought that this was a a good movie, but I don't see it as a great mm-hmm. movie um you know the the interact the social interactions were very compelling um the cinematography you, you know but it was like i could even though i'd seen it before you can see how this movie is gonna kind of run right it's easy to d- d- digest in that way so i i give it a b all right cool yeah. All right. Yeah, we kind of had a similar experience with this film overall. I think, uh, Jim. I mean, we both saw it when it came yeah. out. Probably couldn't remember if it's in the theater or not, uh, but definitely saw yeah. it. Remembered it. Watched it again. Liked it. You know. 
Yeah, got, gave it a B. All right, I can buy that. Right. So, <laughs> well, well, well on, well on you. Um, so, Devin, hmm. um, I'm sure I gave you enough time to hit a button and calculate what this overall. Are, you're not doing this math in your head. You're <laughs> no, not a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're you know, not it a just gardener, are you? It just it just occurred to me that Devin might be Devin <laughs> Devin might be cooking the books. So we I need to check his. Son of a bitch. Oh, I hope so. Books. I hope this Why comes out in great scandals. And I have to do the a, same story. <laughs> I'll have to Jeez. do a huge retraction and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. get the press corps in here. I I, I mean, we got a, a vast videography that we could track no, back. So you know, work. I mean, you know. <laughs> so much work. At some point, some fan hopefully will love the show enough to, yeah, right. to put together a database. Check, check Devin's math. An independent, <laughs> yeah, an independent <laughs> database. <laughs> yeah, at least we organized it enough. Go look it up. It'll be easy. I give you the time uh, codes and everything. So. Yeah, no, I use... Uh, cool. I, so I use two handy websites, gpacalculator.net, which allows me to plug in the grades. There we go. And then collegeboard.org has a conversion scale because I don't know the like exact cutoff, like... 2.7 is a B minus and 2.3 is a C plus, you know, yeah. that, that whole thing. So I use that to, to get the cutoffs. Um, but this is placed at a solid 3.18 uh, at a B, just a solid B, which makes sense. So you got three, three in the B range uh, and the, the A, B. Yeah, the A setting, offsetting the minus. Um, other films. <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound dirty. I have a real problem with that lately. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Devin. All right, we, all we, what time, we all know what time it is. <laughs> the walk of oh, yeah, the, worst part of the, the worst part of the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is where Pepe is tortured. Tell me what of my movies that is way, way better than this movie is worse <laughs> than this movie. Uh, well, Porco Rosso By our rating. also got no, a 3.1. So oh, right my there God. With Porco Rosso. Um, Akira, uh, in fact, just, also got a 3.25, which is very close. I just thought that aged poorly. Porco um, Rosso is so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Wake and Fright 3.22, very close. Uh, oh, I liked Wake and Fright. Doctor Wake Strange Fright. Love ex- got exactly a 3.18, so it's an exact tie. With what was that again? I'm sorry, Doctor Strange Love. That's not oh, Doctor Strange Love. These and just yeah, that cannot stand. These and just cannot stand. Uh, yeah. November 3.0, also a B. Um, <laughs> and that's all the ones I can find that are but uh, some other yeah. close Dracula also 3.2 um, you know what you gotta do and, uh, Nebraska 3.4 we should do a Pepe uh, review season yeah yeah Rewatch all Nebraska was okay regrade all these movies. well I was gonna say Pepe you should send your crat over to Devin's house and rough him up and have oh, him change yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little November do, reference dude. for our uh... you be yeah. watch out for that crat dude be uh, made of like Crats, crat attack back, Jack. Fucking like coming your way. Horse skulls. Devil at the crossroads at midnight. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, if I'm I like crat, I would just I took would just, two watches though. I would just make my crat out of guns, and then like then, you know, <laughs> it would be way better. Gun, gun farm tools. Yeah, just use some AKs, man. Uh, That's right. They could have uh, at least used a musket. The, the, the quick and the crat. Exactly. Musket nosed crat running around, uh, <laughs> sneezing, buckshot anyway. at people. Uh, training day also 3.2 for the sequel and uh labyrinth also okay, two. labyrinth also got a 3.18 exactly okay yeah so what are some of the movies that are better than this movie 
Uh, I mean, everything I've ever submitted, no, uh, this wasn't. <laughs> so, this, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, Definitely Howl's Movie yeah, Castle. Castle yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could name a few of them. Ex Machina. Uh, I'm just looking at the winners from past seasons. Princess Bride. What did Wreck get again? I think about that one every uh, so often. I like that one, oh, too. 3.0. That was one of Cats, right? Wreck. Uh, Jim. No, that okay, was so Jim's. that's right in there, too. Was that Jim's? Okay. No, that was yeah. mine. Oh, Jim, you oh, saw yeah. that before? That's neat. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed oh, that. Yes, one. Uh, a a friend introduced me to that. He was like, because you know, I have I have a couple of friends that are also horror movie enthusiasts, and they're like, Jim, you got to see this movie. It's an Italian movie. It's really good. Check it out. And I did. It's one of those really movies that I really it. wouldn't have seen outside of the podcast. So it's one of the ones I'm also grateful for, along with November. Apparently, nice. Pepe. Apparently, this you, sort of a cult I was, was going to say, apparently, this sort of a cult is classic. It? I've seen uh, mm-hmm. yeah, since it then. It's like that effect where once you know about something, you see it more often. Yep. Oh, I've seen it. See I've it, seen yeah. it on lists yeah. of yeah. like you know, cult, like underground horror films and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is. I've seen it a it few is times. Very much so. Pepe, if you want an easy A, you got to figure out a way to submit the fall. I'll give you. I'll give you that A right away. Oh man. So it's we got to get away. With, I'll I'll tweet because my tweets are so effective. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll tweet. I'll tweet at Netflix and all the other <laughs> ones and see if they'll pick up the fall for. I don't think anyone's left on Netflix. I don't think anyone's left on Twitter anymore. Yeah, right. they've all abandoned. Yeah, I know. Shit. I know it's an ineffective way. I'll have a sit-in. I, I we live near Silicon ground. Valley. It's no problem. I know where if, they. If, I know where they live. If if if, if Twitter, <laughs> if, Twitter dies, if Twitter dies, it will be Elon Musk's single greatest accomplishment. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I like that. All right. I, okay. That's yeah. that's a good segue to our next uh, series because uh, as with uh, <laughs> as with um, Elon Musk, we are about to roll the dice and find out what yeah. is going to happen in our future. Yeah. What we're going to watch for series eleven, episode two. Um, uh, and here is your new, brand new, spanking new sound drop for this segment. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is time to time. roll the dice. Time to roll the dice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, who's first of all? Who's rolling? Should be Pepe. Oh. Okay. So Pepe. Oh, I'm not seeing your video. Pepe you froze up right? on me. Uh, okay. Well, you just tell, you tell us what you roll. But in, uh, okay, so it's time to roll for the next episode on our show. We let the dice decide our fate as to what we're watching for next show. Um, I am opening up the super secret submission sheet that I can't even read until I click on the appropriate number. And James Pepe, if you're ready to roll, I'll give you your sound cue and we'll figure out what we're watching next. I'm rolling a D4, right? All right. Is that right? Four? Uh, D5, I think. No, D4. Four, yeah. You're D4. right. Yeah. Never listen to me. Yeah, Always D4. listen to Devin and Jim. <laughs> That's the key. All right. Okay. I, I so am, here's your drum roll, sir. I have my Caltrop ready. I am ready. Excellent, sir. All right. All right. Let's find out what we're watching next. Let the fates decide. <laughs> yes. It's a one. Okay, everyone. Cue up this movie for next week's show. It's a little movie called Parasite. It came out in 2019. And it was directed by Bong Joon-ho. Um, I don't know where it's playing, but I'm going to look that. Uh, I'll have Devin look that up on Just Watch uh, for me. 
and um, we'll tell you where to go check that out and watch it in a second. But the movie is Parasite 2019. So that's what we're watching for series 11. This one goes from 11, episode two. Uh, Hulu and Canopy is available for free on Hulu and Canopy. Available on Hulu and Canopy. So it's out there. It's easy to easy to go check out and stream somewhere. Excellent. Well, I cannot wait for that. Uh, I love this part of the show. Um, it's one of my favorite things, just kind of le- leaving it up to fate and finding out what we're doing next. Always. I, I, I have a, a quick thing I want to mention when I uh, while we're talking about rolling. Oh, OK. Um, I realized this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this season when mine came up first again, I looked back. I was like, it feels like it's happened a lot of times out of our 11 mm-hmm. seasons and our five and four hosts, yeah. respectively, with the different seasons. Um, I've come up five times as our number one uh, movie out of the 11. Oh. So, yeah, Man, that like is weird. Weirdly I've come common. up a lot as the last one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is common for you to be last. And uh, I think, yeah, Pepe and Jim have both been twice first. And Ben, you've only been first once. I, I was the first. I was first that, that sounds right. I was first pick our first two seasons. Yeah. Both times I was like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like uh, the first movie was The Lighthouse. Very easy I to think... tell it was you. Yeah. yeah. And then the next one. Which I you was, talked about ad nauseum before we even did the show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah those oh, are easy nauseum. points for everybody. Jeez, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you talked. You t- well, after, you know, after I watched it, I get it. But yeah, you brought yeah, it up yeah, quite yeah. a bit. You <laughs> so talked about those you right movies. I see. I see. I see. I, I misunderstood what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I love those movies, so I talk about them. Yeah, yeah, you referenced it many, many times. Like, yeah. hey, you guys got to check out The Lighthouse. So it was just like, this is Pepe's. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> it wasn't hidden. All right, right. so um, we actually do have a little bit of show business to take care of now. Yeah. How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know. Oh, man. That's my favorite one. I love that every time. It makes me smile. Uh, Yeah. That movie's got to come up at some point, too. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So, um, little show business, guys. Devin won this last series Who Dundee Award and is our reigning champ. But while we use the magic of the internet to deliver his trophy, we did neglect to hand over the one-of-a-kind fantasy sword pen. So... God's willing, I will now relinquish this sword to Devin and hereby dub thee Sir Devin. Champion of the podcast. Yay. Cha- you're my champion. It's it's that. Still We're never gonna do it. It's never gonna work. All right. Let me let me just let me got, just do this do it, real quick. Do quick. Sir Devin, champion of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. The, the magic it. works. First take. <laughs> yeah, first, well, first, first try. Yeah. 10% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> they don't know. We're going to edit. Yeah. Um, right, well the done. director of this podcast. We do it once. Get it right. But, Sir uh, Devin? Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Um, I truly have the mightiest weapon now, as it is both pen and sword. Um, it is, it is mighty That's right. The ultimate, it is the ultimate yeah. weapon. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Right. And it's a um, one of a kind. Yeah. If I can say one thing about the design, I just want to put the designers on blast a little bit of this pen here. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, go for it. There's for exactly it. two logical ways that you could design this pen. The cap mm-hmm. would be the entire sheath of the, the sword. You know, you pull the sheath sure. and there's and then you have the pen exposed. Yes. Or, I'll show everyone what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. And they, it they could, could be like that. Whoa, whoa, it's one of a time. <laughs> yeah, it's one of a kind, but you're ruining the illusion. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, sure. he's got, I bought, yeah. He's got I, a, I dare um, you. This is magic of the internet. 
Or at least the Harry, it's Harry Potter magic where anything's <laughs> yeah. possible and nothing matters. <laughs> exactly. Okay. There's uh, no stakes. Or at least the tip, <laughs> just the tip, could be metal, and you can. So it's still, when the cap is on, it completes or the metal. illusion. Yeah. But then, right, but in reality, tip, it's just like a plastic tip, and then even when you take it off, like the illusion doesn't really work because of the size difference. It doesn't <laughs> quite. A, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna stand with ultimate weapon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to write a letter to my congressperson and demand a metal tip for the sword pen, the one-of-a-kind sword pen. Send one of your powerful tweets. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, tweet, tweet that and everyone likes. about it. Yeah. yeah. I will. I will. This is what I do. We're uh, Karenfornia-cation out here in California. <laughs> yeah. So this as is the, what we do. This is what we do best. speak with its manager. Yeah. Dream of Karenfornication. It's just like that uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Um, okay so I have to do a retraction now sorry to bring it down a little bit my producer makes me do these yeah something about being honest and accountable every week it seems like well you know there's always going to be some mistakes but it's better just I say it's better just own up to them so last episode this is a real one last episode I misquoted Yoda when introducing Jim's headline yeah I know Um, I misstated Yoda as having said quote there is one more, which as I as I heard it back in editing, I knew it was wrong. I I knew it right away. Uh of course, uh Yoda, what he really said there uh in the movie was there is one more. Okay. Oh no, that's what I said. I'm messing up my apology here. That's what she said. All right. Let, okay, let me start that over. Last episode. No, no, keep lot it of in. tonight. We'll fuck it, we'll okay. do it live. <laughs> I have that sound clip, but I'm not going to go dig it up. All right. So last episode, I misquoted Yoda. I introduced Jim's headline. I misstated uh, Yoda's having said, quote, there is one more, which, as we all know, isn't what Yoda said at all. The real quote is there is another. Duh. I knew it as I heard it back in the edit. I knew it was wrong. Um, but actually, I, I think I have a valid point here. You know, I take issue with the actual quote because with Yoda's inverse speaking style, shouldn't it be, quote, no, another one or another there is. I mean, shouldn't it be that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it kind of is, I guess. Now that you know, now that that occurred to me, because um, so I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna ask that maybe Star Wars, uh, or or suggest that Star Wars owes us all a retraction, and ask that yeah. that the, the, the the brand itself stand up and fix that. In fact, I think they ought to just remake the entire movie and just to fix that one line. <laughs> so your move, Lucasfilm. But for my part, wow. we, we sincerely apologize and ask that you bear with us as we strive to be better. Okay. Really we did, we got through it, gang. Uh, yeah. Well, they owe it to us. Seriously. Nice. We're, enti- we're entitled people here. We are. We are. In care and fornication. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're if they make those, here. If they make those <laughs> movies and I don't like them, let me tell you, I'm gonna have to make them again until yeah. I like them. Oh yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yep. All right. So fan emails. Don't ask us to remake anything. It ain't happening. You can write to Ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Did we get something wrong? Inevitably. Uh, did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe? And therefore discover you'd be, you'd be objective right. truth. Yep. That's right. Yep. So, uh, oh, we also want to know uh, what segment of the show is your favorite, if you have one. And uh, we're very interested, as always, where are you listening from? All around the world. 
Love to hear from you. Write to us and we may choose your email to read and respond to on the show someday. Okay, that is about it, fellas. I think we can wrap up the show. We never do anything else, right? No. That's, yeah. They're always, yeah. Always, Thank you, guys. What, the, what is that? Just one more thing. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Lest I forget, uh, Lieutenant Columbo is here, and he says we have time for just one more thing. This is the segment of the show where each co-host shares a little something from outside the show they're up to, been playing, watching, what have you. So I'll try to get through this quickly because I have a few of them. I didn't get a chance to show off my new t-shirt, which I bought for the show because it's down below my lower third and you can't see it. So hopefully you can. If not, I'll, well, uh, listeners can anyway. But I, I got it specifically <laughs> with the show and you haven't even been able to see it. So I'll just stand up really quick. Nice. Oh, nice. Silva. Yeah. yeah. It says, uh, <laughs> it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, and it has the little 8-bit picture of the sword. So I was really uh, stoked to get a new shirt for the show to kick off Series 11. Uh, but I also want to point out to you guys specifically that Demio has come out with a second new uh, level called Reign of Madness that just dropped, and I want to invite you guys over this mm. Christmas break if there's time to meet up and play through it. So I'll just I, uh, drop that throw that in yeah. as well. I actually wanted to mention that, uh, in fact, Demio is now on Steam, um, the non-VR version of Demio. So you can now play it as a simple PC game. Um, So so we should invite one of our friends to play Damn. Yeah, Jordan was interested in checking it out. Get Steven in there. Oh, get Jordan for sure. Yeah, but if we can get Steven in there, and uh, I don't know if James will buy a Vigi game. Um, but so otherwise I would have said him too, but I'll ask just for, to be polite. Yeah. And if he wants to, he's welcome to. Now, when you say All it's right, on cool. steam, he might get excited, but then he might, because he, he thinks it's steam powered, of course, uh, being the ancient, ancient <laughs> man. <that he> is. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Behave. He only, yeah. You know, he goes to school on so, a steam oh. engine uh, locomotive, don't you? Yep. <laughs> to yeah. Go teach. yeah. He rides the train he, into the he, station he and has yeah. his. He has this old cowboy hat and all that. Yeah, he lays the <laughs> he tracks the... down in front and then picks them up from the back. Looney Tune. Mm-hmm. He takes the train oh, yeah. there and then rides a dirigible back. Yeah, a dirigible. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. Yes, that's that's our vegan. All right. So... <laughs> he's so old. Uh, well... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the joke, yeah. people. He's very yeah. He's... yeah. Hey, I'm, it's a forty-year-old man I'm, and I'm, therefore very old. I'm, I'm chasing. I'm I'm riding his coattails uh, into that. So. Uh, I've, I've got like a little <laughs> yeah, room to speak there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. So my last thing, guys. Um, I want to point out a little organization called Autism Service Dogs of America dot org, which is the organization that my family is going to do to get a service dog for my son Hunter, who uh, has autism. And we have finally been had the dog uh, not placed with us, but we are going to pick up the dog in January. Finally, after three years of waiting, COVID bumped wow. this back significantly oh, it doesn't okay. always take that long uh it's definitely harder to train when you can't take your dog around people um but they have uh, finally uh, been able to get us the dog after much patience on our part and uh much effort on their part so i will be taken off up to oregon to do my like kind of boot camp dog training for like 11 days it's like a long stretch wow. so i'll be leaving on january 4th to do this Wow. Hopefully, I'll pick up a few tips and tricks to uh, teach my other dogs uh, a few new tricks when I get back as well. 
And um, yeah, so this we're really looking forward to this. It's been a long wait and really happy to announce that finally I'm heading up there. And uh, we did raise money at, at some point years back. Um, they pay for part and then you pay for part of part of it. So anyone listening to this, it's a friend. I'm not really on uh, Facebook. On a, I don't have like a personal account on Facebook or anything. But uh, if you're listening, thank you for your contribution. If you did so, contribute. Um, yep, really excited. We don't know the dog's name yet. It's one of three dogs we find out when we, we get there. So I'll let you know. But... Do you roll? <laughs> I you wonder. Roll, roll for I dog. wonder. <laughs> yeah, what they say is, yeah, they, I know roll why they dog. don't tell you leading up because if it doesn't work out with the dog, the dog sometimes fails out and then they place that dog with the family. Um, yeah. And so, but for this reason, I think they just want to see who, like, when we get there, they want to assess the final uh like compatibility or something so there's going to be some discussion about it i wonder i'll report back on this of course uh at some yeah. point in this series so yeah cool stuff all right so that's my just three more things um let's <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll get to some demi overbreak uh and devin what have you got for us this week Yes, I have a quick little gaming roundup from the world of Devin. Uh, first of all, the Game Awards happened last week. Elden Ring won Game of the Year. Just you know, surprising literally yeah. no one at all. Um, no. <laughs> certainly no one who played it. Uh, and... I don't know. IGN rated it worse than that new Sonic game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, but uh, yeah, also, I, I will just say Vampire Survivors was snubbed. Should have won Best Indie. Oh. Vampire Survivors is like Game of the Year for me, honestly. Other than Elden Ring. Wow. No, it lost to Stray. Stray won both Best Indie and Best Debut Indie, which seems like you you shouldn't be allowed to be in the same category. Like, you can't be nominated for the debut thing and the thing. It's like you're either one or the other. But anyway. Just uh, also wasn't Vampire Survivors should have won. Game. Yeah, Stray was like, it was fine. I mean, it could have won one of yeah. the two, but I don't think it deserved both. Uh, what was the what was the game vampire vampire survivors what? uh it's it was like a huge vampire breakout survivors. hit uh par, in part because yeah. it was a buck 99 and this like incredibly yeah, addicting right. game um okay but yeah okay. look into it it's it's really fun uh i will anyway yeah. uh for me i need another addiction in my life yeah uh i've been checking out <laughs> uh, a lot of games on game pass lately uh, a lot of great stuff dropping on there still recommend the service um I microsoft out, right yeah uh loot river which is a top-down um sort of like diablo and dark souls inspired hack and slash game uh where you sort of move you're on a like water-based level and you move these like tetromino shaped blocks around that you're standing on to like move around the level it's, it's very unique uh, and very fun um highly recommend loot river um, I also checked out Justin Roiland's High on Life. That's his like shooter that oh, he made. How um, was that? With the talking gun. I think it's it's extremely well written and acted. Justin Roiland does great voices. We already know that. It feels like a really good episode of Rick and Morty. I think the game itself is like excellent. Kind of an uninspired shooter though. Like it's just like I wish the game was fun to play all around all the writing. Um, but the game is like a very basic like FPS. It feels kind of like an indie game. Um, which I mean, mm. it, I guess it technically is. His studio is small. But uh, having so much hype behind it, I expected something a little more polished, I think. Um, but, you know, again, for the writing alone, you know, check it out. Listen to some great voice lines, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was slightly disappointed with that. Uh, and um, I also checked out Immortality. is a game I already, like, heartily recommended to Ben because it is very much his yes. kind of game. But uh, for those who have not heard about it, it's basically it's a very strange game. The entire thing consists of watching clips of three fictional movies um, that were all filmed for this game. They don't exist in real life. And uh, 
the idea that the, the, the fiction of the game is that there's this actress who acted in these three movies over a 30 year span and none of them got released for strange reasons. And you are trying to piece together what happened, why they weren't released, uh, who this woman was that kind of pieced together her life story by just watching these clips. The only mechanism to go from clip to clip is what's called a match cut, which is a fairly uncommon filmmaking technique these days, but was very common in the past. Basically, you zoom in on an object or an actor in the scene, and then you zoom out, and it's a new scene with that same object or actor in it. Uh, so in the game sense, you click on an apple in one scene, it'll zoom into the apple, zoom out, and you'll be in a whole new scene, maybe in a whole new movie that also happens to have an apple mm. in it. And uh, that's excellent. That's your only way transitions. of transitions. Yeah, exactly. Your only way of traversing. Transitions are the Sorry. transitions in film. No, it's okay. I, I'm I'm talking over you. Transitions in filmmaking are uh, a very a sign of a very well thought out and good. Well, I'll say direction uh, because it should be the director who comes up with them. Um, yeah. So or or writer if they write them into the script. But, um, I often use Highlander as an example. If you watch the intro to Highlander, their transitions are are fucking excellent, and uh, they just really well thought out and beautifully executed. And so that's that's a sign of a, someone who really understands film. So um, I, I'm definitely planning on checking out Immortality. Yeah. I actually signed up for for the service to download that game. I just haven't played it yet. Nice. Yeah. But looking forward to it. And it's about the film industry, so of course I'm going to love it. I'll be excited to hear what you think. Um, but yeah, starts out very yeah, yeah. follow up episode for sure. Monday, and you you kind of just watch these three interesting movies, um, and then slowly, you know, strange things are introduced. I'll just put it that way. Um, I won't want to spoil yeah. anything, but yeah, no spoilers. It is, it is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Did you, Devin? Did you play Oberdin? Return of the Oberdin? I did not know, but I've heard this compared to that quite a bit. Uh, this yeah, this game yeah. in particular, also the case of the Golden Idol, which is by the same guy, I think, who made Oberdin. Um, who that just came out and people are raving about case of the old oh, it just came out oh, yeah it's like cool. a couple of weeks ago and it's being yeah being uh, i'm pretty sure it's lucas pope right that's the guy who made yeah i'm pretty sure it's lucas pope who made case of the golden idol and it's it's yeah people are loving it um it was a lot of people's game of the year but it came out too late i think to be considered for the game awards i have to write these names down <laughs> yeah or watch the, the game show is called immortality <laughs> immortality, yeah, immortality, and then uh, Case of the Golden Knight. Are you kidding me? I don't listen to my nonsense. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for those suggestions. Uh, continue, continue on, James Pepe. What's your uh, just one word? Yeah, thing? yeah. So um, I'll do one real quick one. I think I recommended this podcast in like one of our very early seasons, but it's called Spout Lore. It's uh, actual play. Um, when it first started... Uh, coming out, I was listening to it weekly because they were releasing weekly half-hour episodes. And so I, I I got into it when it was like very, very early. And so I was I was always waiting for, you know, a new week to come out so I could listen to the new episode. And since they were a half-hour, you just didn't, they, you just didn't get that much, you know? Like a lot of times actual play podcasts are like fucking four hours long or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. But this podcast, I, so I started, I started re-listening to it, and I went back to the very beginning. Uh, they've been going, they've probably been going now for probably almost four or five years now. So they have a pretty good back catalog. But it's great. So, um, yeah, give Spout Lore a try. It's a great actual play. But um, what I, the other thing I'd like to recommend is, so... Um, Guillermo del Toro has a new show 
a newish show on Netflix called The Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I watched the whole thing. I watched all um, all eight episodes. And uh, they're, they're sort of hit and miss. Um, they're all sort of, a lot of them, I think all of them actually, are based on a short story. There's a couple of H.P. Lovecraft stories in there. They did, one of them was Pickman's Model, which is one of my favorite HP HP Lovecraft stories. It's a great one. Um, I think they, well, I think they fumbled the ball a little bit on it. They didn't do that good of a job. Um, But it has, um, it has Crispin Glover Glover in it, which is great to see. It was great to see Crispin Glover. He played Pickman. Um, But the one, so if you're going to watch one episode of this show, you're going to want to watch episode seven. Because episode seven is directed by Panos Cosmatos, which was the guy who did Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. And that episode is so fucking good. (laughs) Um, Okay. It's if you're going to watch one episode of it, watch that one. If you're going to watch two episodes of it, watch that one and watch episode three, which is um, called The Autopsy. Those were, in my opinion, the best, the two best episodes in that order. So episode seven called The Viewing was the best one by far, I think. Um, and then the next best one was The Autopsy, which was episode three. Uh, and then just, you know, if you want to keep watching it, watch the other ones. Um, they're a little hit and miss. They were a little hit and miss for me. But like I said, episode seven is very, very good. It's incredible. So I would. What I would was the name of the show them. again? The The. Cabinet? It's uh, Guillermo del Toro's it? Cabinet of Curiosities. It's on Netflix. Oh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah. I'm adding it to my queue here. Yeah. So I would encourage everyone. Yeah, to he's go great. Watch, everyone, go watch I, I keep seven. hearing, I've heard buzz. I've heard buzz about this. Yeah. Year, so. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Just One More Thing. Always great. Um, I, I still need to look up the the angelic uh, YouTube thing I when I was listening back. Oh, yeah. Was, Esoterica. Yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah, Esoterica, thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, All right, uh, Devin, yeah. Yeah, while we're here, because you mentioned Let's Plays, and it reminded me, um, Pepe, I don't know if I, I mentioned this or not. I, th- I know I mentioned the new season of Adventure Zone to you, but what I don't think I mentioned was that they're playing Blades in the Dark, which I remember was a system oh. you, you were like specifically excited okay. about, which I had forgotten. I mentioned it to Fegan, and he remembered that you yeah. wanted to play that. So, yeah, I do uh, like that one. Yeah, you might want to check it out just to see that, that system. Yeah, Spout Lore plays um, Dungeon World, which is... Uh, which is a not a D20 system. It's a 2D6 system. So if you want to hear something that's a little more, that's like not D&D or Pathfinder, that's a little more rules light and story heavy. You guys might remember Fat Billy. Fat Billy, the character that I made of Fat Billy, I made based mm-hmm. on the character Fat Billy in Spout Lore, who is one of my favorite characters of all time. So if you want to hear... Fat Billy's origins. So then you should go listen to Spout Lore. Okay, I'm done. That I didn't understand the thing. latter half of that. Okay. <laughs> Jim, well, you, what you, you didn't. Yeah, you week? didn't. You never met Fat Billy, I guess, huh? No, I don't. I don't. I hope. Hopefully, someday I'll understand references. But <laughs> this today is not that day. <laughs> love, love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's you what I was kind of going for. Yeah, I limped along through that. You know Fat Billy. Yeah. yeah. Don't pretend like you don't know that. <laughs> I'm gonna Google it later and see if I'll if I can figure it out. All right. So Jim Scott, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Oh yeah. 
before I introduce what, one one thing that I wanted to say was, uh, Pepe, we probably will all check out episode seven of Cabinet of Curiosities, and we'll probably end up giving it a C. No, no, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as long as it's worse than no, my just Netflix plain. show that I put up the Dracula show, then yeah. I'll be happy. <laughs> I enjoyed the Dracula yeah, show. I, I enjoyed I like the Dracula show. And did you watch all three episodes? Yeah. I did oh, okay. it. I did I it. I want to. And I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about it from time to time, but you know, the cue list grows know, ever longer. Um yep. Yeah, but no, I watched the first two episodes of Cabinet of Curiosity, or no, not the whole of the second one, but part of it. And what I've seen so far, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I keep hearing but about my this just show. one more thing is a book. Yeah. yeah, you should check it out. I know Guillermo del Toro produced or yeah. whatever, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he did Pinocchio recently. The one that everyone that was liked. Phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I really loved it. it. Yeah, I loved okay. it. Yeah, I've seen it with I seen uh, it a, a buddy of mine. Been and Hot here. Over whether I, so, I should watch not the Polly Shore one that also came no, out. No, no, no. There's three Pinocchio no. movies in one year. I didn't even know that yeah. existed. Wow. What? Yeah, there was Disney's know that. remake and the Polly Shore one and Guillermo uh -huh. del Toro's. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, my just one more thing is a book is called Give and Take. Um, it's by Adam Grant. He's an organizational psychologist, which is basically interactions in the workplace, leadership, things okay. like that. But uh, the book is specifically about um, givers, takers, and matchers, which I was introduced briefly to that when I read Malcolm Gladwell. I think Blink mm -hmm. was yeah, the book. Yeah, I read that one. Um, and he referenced that. Yeah, he referenced them there, and it was a very intriguing ideal. I actually got this book. I didn't even know what it was about, but I had um, seen some references to Adam Grant, so I wanted to check it out. But this talks about specifically, it does a deep dive on it. But in a nutshell, um, givers are what you would think, um, people that are giving their time, their resources. So a lot of times you see givers as school teachers. Um, as leaders in a church, you know, things of that nature. Takers are exactly what you would you would think. People that are kind of in it for themselves and um they they tend to take. And then matchers are people that are like along the lines of quid pro quo. You do something for me, I'll do something for you. Um, that type of thing. And he talks about the makeup of people like in, in the business world, in the workplace, being one of these three. And uh, what they found is, is the research uh, that they have is that givers will be at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Um, so, you know, bottom of the hierarchy, uh, and, which is kind of interesting. But at the same time, they also see givers at the very top of organizations as well. That's good to hear. And so he kind of does a delve into why that is true that you have givers both at the bottom and at okay, the top. I'm intrigued. It's an interesting read. It's a lot of anecdotes and studies. Everything's very well researched. There's an index where you could follow that research if you want, which is, you know, 
when I read a nonfiction book, that's what I like. You know, it's not just somebody's opinion. I'm going to get it on my paperweight. So, uh, yeah. I've got four credits yeah. for Kindle burning a hole in my pocket. So I'm going to get it. That sounds intriguing to me. So thanks yeah. for that suggestion. It is. Very intriguing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Cool. Well, guys, uh, we did it. Uh, despite the technical difficulties that hopefully I'll be able to smooth over in the edit, um, we have arrived at the actual end of the show. Uh, and who do I see coming in to deliver her line just on time and with no problems whatsoever? <laughs> I think I'll miss you most of all. <laughs> okay, Dorothy's here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm actually tired. You guys probably are, too. So why don't we get through this? Let's start with Mr. Devin Schwartz. I have been Devin Schwartz. And uh, you find me soon on Tumblr because Twitter is a cesspool that is eating itself alive. Uh, game over. Exactly. Game well, well said. Poignant uh, and uh, relevant. And uh, James Pepe. Uh, I have been and still am James Puppy. Uh, thanks for coming out and listening to the show or watching. And uh, hope to see you back uh, next week for Parasite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Watch Parasite. Come back next show. That's your prescription for entertainment, folks. All right. And gentlemen, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim and farewell. Take care, gentle listeners and friends. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And today's parting sentiment, happiness is fleeting, like all experiences in life. It really is about the pursuit. It's like a dog chasing a car. They wouldn't know what to do with the thing if they ever caught it. <laughs> but uh, if the chase is fun, that itself can be a path to happiness. So until next time, enjoy your chase, my friends. Woof. <laughs> Indeed. And don't forget to watch um, Parasite, which I've already forgotten. 2019, directed by Bong Joon-ho. And where was that streaming again, fellas? Uh, Hulu and uh, Canopy. Thank Canopy. You. Canopy. Until next time. We're, profession we're professionals. Keep on looking. You're damned right. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Mm-hmm.